Hey, what's going on? Nick Kirby here, and welcome back to Shatterbox Reds, proudly sponsored by DSC Commodities. Well, it was a busy night for the Reds and Chatterbox Reds as well. We did a lengthy show with our guy Chris Solomon, a.k.a. Solly, from the No Laying Up podcast. No big deal. Just the number one golf podcast in the United States. We talked about the winter meetings, uh, potential free agent signings for the Reds, and more for just about two hours. Um, I had just about got that all edited up to post in the podcast feed. And then news broke that one of the free agents that Solly was most excited about, Jamer Candelario, signed a three-year deal worth $45 million with your Cincinnati Reds. That deal has a club option for year number four, as reported. Myself and Trace, we went back on the air at 1.17 a.m., and we had special guest Clay Snowden of Just Baseball, Craig Sandlin, and our own Elliot Rearing join us. So today's episode will start with part of that conversation with those guys talking about the Candelario signing with some instant reaction, and then the full episode with Solly. So hang with us today. This is a long one. You may want to stop it at some point, finish it up tomorrow, whatever works for you. Hope you enjoy it. I hope it's some good content for you today. Uh, Some quick stuff on Jamer Candelario. He just turned 30 years old. He's a switch hitter. He's mostly played third base in his career, but he started playing first base a little more last season. Played 96 games at third base, 21 at first base. Um, Last season started with the Nationals, then he got traded to the Cubs at the trade deadline. Candelario hit 17 home runs with an 807 OPS and 119 OPS plus last season. Uh, Candelario, before that, played the bulk of his career in Detroit with the Tigers. He was really good in 2020 and 2021. Put up a 137 OPS plus and 121 OPS plus those two seasons. 100 is average in OPS plus, just for reference. Uh, Candelario did struggle mightily in 2022 as he did have a shoulder injury. He was non-tendered by the Tigers, leading him to the Washington Nationals last season. All right. Before we get to today's conversations, I did want to quickly tell you about our proud sponsor, Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at DSC. And just some other quick housekeeping. If there's any other Bread's breaking news, We will go live, as we always do, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. As soon as we can get a live stream up and running, we will be there talking about it, giving you some instant reaction, interacting with you, all that kind of fun stuff. So make sure you are subscribed to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube and turn on notifications. Hit that bell in the top right corner so you can join us live. All right? Well, here's to today's conversations with myself, Trace Fowler, Elliot Rearing, Clay Snowden, Craig Sandlin, and later, our guy Chris Solomon, a.k.a. Solly. Uh, we just got off the airwaves. We were settling ourselves into bed, and sure enough, the Cincinnati Reds uh, decided they wanted to prove Trace Fowler right yet again. I'm tired of being right. It gets old being right. But once again, I said within 24 hours there would be a deal made. Sure enough, it didn't take more than an hour and a half. Craig, good to see you. Nick, glad to have you back. Jamir, J, J I think is that's how you say his first name. Jamir 
Candelario is a Cincinnati Red, uh, according to multiple sources now. It just is pending a physical. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll discuss what this means for the Cincinnati Reds and where they go from here. But certainly, this uh, this answers some questions, but opens up more. Let's go. I, I had one more click to put the podcast up, and uh, I I think Craig was the one who sent it to me, and I was like, well, let's get back on the air. Uh, you know, no time like the present. Uh, how about we that? Got, how about this, make Craig? Sure the morning edition is uh, up to date as much as we can, right? I mean, we didn't we didn't want to let you sleep tonight. We got to get you some more editing work in before uh, before it's too late. I mean, at the end of the day, what does this mean? How do we feel about it? Listen, I, you look back at the guy's baseball reference page or the back of his baseball card, however you decide that you want to get your information and your resources. I'm going to lean on you, Nick, and perhaps you, Craig, a little bit on what fan graphs of the world points out and the types of things that we can come to expect. Uh, if anything, it does. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, it wouldn't be a show without probably discussing what the hell this means from an infield perspective. Um, I don't know. I, I I will say this. I think that it is, uh, if you take out one year, one single year from this guy's career, um, there really wouldn't be any hesitation for me at all about what you're going to get. You're going to get above average hitter at the plate, and you're going to get a guy that's got some, some versatility uh, from an infield perspective. But I guess from your overall reaction, Craig, Nick, uh, either one of you want to start just your initial thoughts here as we get uh, going and what this actually means. Well, big thing I'm waiting on is, is how much money, how many years. Sure. I mean, that that's such a huge determining of how I feel about that. I haven't seen it reported yet. I'll keep, you know, checking. And if I know our chat, I mean, our chat is undefeated to let us know right. if, if that gets, you know, confirmed we're on there, that makes a big uh, difference to this deal. I mean, this is a one or two year deal, man. I, I love this. I mean, this is uh uh, definitely a guy that makes the Reds better. Now, how much better? I mean, I think that's debatable. Who's the real Jamer Candelario? This was a guy that was, yeah, I said it like 20 minutes ago when we were on the air. This was a guy that was non-tendered by the Tigers, you know, just a, a year ago this time. Um, but he had a great year. And then the, the two years prior to that, 2020 and 2021, he's a really good hitter. You know, I think he, 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 I think he tapped maybe even a little bit more power into to Great American Ballpark. But the Reds are better. And, uh, you know, for the whole, are the Reds going to do anything? That's one, two, three legitimate big league players that the Reds have signed and, and committed a decent amount of money to. Well, I think one of the things we've talked about with the pitching staff this entire offseason is that you can never have too much depth, right? And we saw it last year with injuries, uh, not only in the pitching rotation, but in, in the uh, infield and outfield as well. So if nothing else, this gives you flexibility to continue the conversations that maybe you're already having regarding Dylan Cease, maybe regarding some of the other pitchers that have been referenced uh, on social media <clears throat> regarding uh, Reds having interest. So, you know, whether that means that Jonathan India has been a piece that's been discussed and they wanted to have that flexibility, or maybe it means that one of the minor leaguers that they had projected to come up in the next year or two is going to be a part of that deal. Um, and they want to have that flexibility to be able to move on to that. Um, and still have the depth to be able to support the infield for years to come. So um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the last domino to fall, obviously. But um, I, it, to me, it kind of signals that maybe there's more on the horizon. Um, I'm not sure if anything's out there yet, but projections had this um, had Candelario in the 10 to 12 million range. 
again, we'll see once the numbers come out where that actually falls. Um, 10 to 12 million feels like a lot to pay for flexibility. What what I like about this, and, and Nick Crawl talked about it the other day, is um, having switch hitting and flexible players, right? So what Condelario brings is the ability to play potentially every position in the infield from either side of the plate. And, you know, we had a number of players last year, the Reds did, that quite frankly had to be platooned. And if you looked at Condelario's splits, he hit lefties and righties pretty well. I mean, his splits are not very different from both sides of the plate. So um, when you add that kind of ability to be able to plug him in, no matter who's on the mound for the opposing team, um, and give guys days off, um, maybe sit them during slumps, whatever it may be, I think Condelario gives you a lot of flexibility. As somebody who's watched more Tigers baseball over the past three years than anything yeah. that's healthy, I've always been a huge King, um, Jamer Candelario fan. I know Nick and I talked about him after he got – non-tendered yes two years ago and we were on that so it's it's all just coming back now but no i think it's a great ad and it's good for jonathan india that it happened today because now he has an extra couple months to learn the outfield he has an extra couple months to figure out a different position if need be um at the end of the day this was a weak free agent class and they went out and got a bat that was one of the best available like i don't see an issue with that at all especially if you just plug him in at dh um, you know, if India plays kind of more of the Senzel role, you know, that's fine. Uh, more of the infield Senzel role, I guess. Somebody's going to get injured, right? We all know that. So at the end of the day, really good teams add good players and you figure it out in the end. Um, that's what the Reds are doing. We just aren't used to seeing it. India's going to get a raw deal here. He's good as gone. See you later, pal. It, it, it sucks. And, and, and Conor is a better player. So, it, but But at the end of the day, India's gone. I, I I assume you have to trade him here. Do you think do you think you're gonna so my question here, do you think you're gonna trade him for a starting pitcher or do you think you're gonna go for prospects? You're not gonna get a starting pitcher of any value back for Jonathan India. Well yeah, but now it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I mean, it's it still matters. Like it, he Jonathan India still has value. I know you're down on him right now. Um, but what what's the Likelihood, I, I don't see India as like the only player from the Reds in whatever move it would be. Like, I think right. he's part of a package because the Reds have enough kind of a champagne problems here where they have enough of everything prospect wise that they can trade a prospect with Jonathan India to get something. Hey, let, let how about we just get wild and talk about Randy or Rosarina coming to the Reds right now? Yes, I mean, let's yes. do it. I mean, we already know that the White Sox are planning on completely rebuilding and moving on from some of their younger players. So maybe it's an opportunity to bundle him with some of the prospects that have been conversated about uh, for Dylan Cease to move him uh, along with some of those prospects uh, to the White Sox. But yeah, I'm with you. If we can get a, a Glasnow or Rosarena package deal, let's get that going. So I, you, you look at the lineup here right now and um, – I think that the best thing to do is take Spencer Steer out of that lineup because you know you can plug Steer into multiple positions, all right? And then you move Jake Fraley in, and then that's your lineup, okay? So you have Spencer Steer just, just sitting out here on an island. Someone's going to get injured by the time opening day rolls around and Spencer Steer slides in. That's just how it works. There's always injuries in spring, and it's good to have that depth. Um, so really, 
I I think you maybe like I don't know. You could still keep Jonathan India. The the I think the bigger issue with keeping Jonathan India would be trying to keep him relatively, you know, happy. Yeah, and not and not be an issue. Like that that's more the issue than just keeping around. I mean, look, there these guys also there's still a ton of guys that have options. And I know we don't want to ever send um, any of our established players to the minor leagues, but that's what good teams do. Good teams have major league players sitting in AAA at their disposal. So when a player gets hurt, you're not calling up um, Mark Payton or you're not calling up uh, Henry Ramos. You're calling up a major league player. So, I, I mean, everyone has options. Except for Candelario. I, Candelario and Stuart Fairchild are the only players that do not have options right now. Everyone else can be sent down to AAA. To be honest, one thing I'm looking at this and I'm, you know, it looks great on paper. And, you know, you have the Fraley or Benson or whoever is going to be on the bench steer. That's an awesome bench piece. I hope Will Benson plays a lot of center field this offseason or, or works on center field a lot. Because I know we don't want to have the conversation, but I don't think that there's a non-zero chance that TJ Friedel is not the player that we saw last year. I think that was like the ceiling of what we see. And if he comes down to being more of a blah player, like that, that's okay. The lineup's good enough that he can withstand that. But how much better can the lineup be if you could put a Benson in center field and then get Fraley in this lineup with Steer? Or, you know, something along those lines. I'm just saying, I don't think TJ Friedel is like automatic three-plus win player. I mean, he was four, four-and-a-half wins, whatever he was. I don't know if we're going to see something like that a lot again. Now, he benefited a ton from that first row, second row at Great American Ballpark home runs, scraping over the edge. In reality, I don't think that he has that much power. Like, I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not – there has to be some plan to center field if TJ Friedel does not produce at the level we saw last year. Well, it, it doesn't have to be TJ Friedel. It could also be Will Benson could regress. Yeah. It could be Spencer Steer could regress. It, it could be Matt McLean regresses. I mean, I don't think we think that happens, but uh, I, I think two years ago, we didn't expect Jonathan India to regress and he regressed. I mean, that, that does happen. This just gives you more, more flexibility overall. I still don't think you have to just trade Jonathan India for the hell of it. Um, I, I do get a little concerned about how you could uh, keep everyone um, happy and content in a situation like this. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, look, you, you go to spring, you have a really good competition in spring and you kind of let them fight it out a little bit. Yeah, I just he, here's the here's the crazy part about all this for me. It's similar to uh, wh why don't we just hit the whole bingo card while we're doing this whole time? And it's one thirty in the morning on the East Coast, so why not? We can get really crazy. Um, it's like when you when you have a stature on a team and you've kind of put yourself in a position that you feel like you're a leader, quote unquote leader. Options are great. Uh, you could say sitting the bench and 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 you know playing and a marginal role is great, but same the sa same way that that we had some issues with kind of the way that we could that we were going to be presented with opportunities or not really opportunities, but uh, for lack of opportunities with Joey Votto, is I think the Reds kind of put themselves in the same position as they might with Jonathan India. 
And I'm not saying that those are the two of the same situations because they're not, but, but it is the elephant in the room when you have a guy that's the quote unquote team leader, the captain of the team. And he's, and he's, and he's the odd man out. I mean, if he's, you know, that's great for guys like Stuart Fairchild, right? Kevin Newman's of the world. Um, Kurt Casale. You can kind of get away with that, I think, right? Like we, we all understand that not everybody gets to play every single day or even comes close to playing every single day. I don't see any world where Jonathan India would not, not only accept that role, but even would, would, would even want to be somewhat a part of that. Like, it would almost, in my opinion, be, and I'm not trying to say that Jonathan Indy is not a team guy, because I, I I, do think we need to slow down a little bit on the fact that, oh, Jonathan India, this, that, and the other. Like, he was a rookie of the year. He's been nothing but great for this franchise, so I don't really want to keep killing this guy. It's just that I think we can be realistic in saying he he's not going to allow that. Like, I, I, I genuinely think he would, like, boycott and sit out before he before he decides he's going to take on a role that we're suggesting that he that he could possibly have on this team like and then at what point is that a distraction i don't know i mean i i know i'm putting a lot of like negative vibes towards him and the way that he might act but i also think that's somewhat valid like i, I don't think it's fair to jonathan india to sit him on the bench four times a week you just don't you don't know if you'd be sitting him on the bench four times a week. You don't know if there's injuries, you know, all, all those those kind of things. Um it, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see what they do with Jonathan India because I it's just it's it's so weird that, that Nick Crow came out with these comments that they're gonna look at playing Jonathan India first base and then they acquired Candelario like three days later after they went so long without ever even hinting at ever moving Jonathan Nitty off of second base. That's the thing that I, I find the most interesting. I guess we'll, we'll find out the answer to this, I think, in relative short order. I mean, does anyone else think there's any chance they keep Jonathan India? First off, about like GM comments, front office comments, like they're BS. And there's no reason that they should tell us the truth because they don't have to. And if my boss asked me, if I was looking for a new job, I'm going to say no. Like I don't have to tell the truth at all moments in time. I don't owe they don't owe us anything. So saying whatever they want to say about Jonathan India a few days ago doesn't mean anything. We should just stop interviewing GMs, period. But do I think that Jonathan India could still be on this team? Yes. Because I don't think his trade value is going to be too different now than it would be in spring training. Or um, you know, we saw what happened with Gavin Lux last year. He went down in spring training. Maybe his value would even be higher. I think Jonathan India in a trade by himself would, you know, get a fine return. Now, if there is a package out there that you could package him with a prospect to go get an, a higher level pitcher, then yeah, do it. But going into spring training or even going into the season with India is, it's just to me, a added value. I don't think that it's a negative. Now you're going to have to sign. If you're looking at the roster right now on YouTube, you have to pretty much replace Stuart Fairchild with some type of Mauricio Dubon, like utility guy who can play all over the field. Like you kind of need one of those at this point with some flexibility. I know Spencer Steer fits there a little bit, but you need uh, I you know I I guess you can move McLean to short or Marte in a pinch or whatnot. Like there there's enough pieces to move around. I would like to have like a legit super utility guy. Unless you just go out and get like a big time bat. 
one of those two things I think is needed here. I, I, I don't think Stuart Fairchild would, would be on the opening day roster if if they're going to keep adding like this. Like Stuart Fairchild and Jonathan Nitty on the opening day roster, like it could happen, but I, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I couldn't agree more, Clay. I couldn't agree more. I would listen, and I mean no disrespect. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to be as very serious as I can. This is a very serious show here. Um, I would send Stuart Fairchild. Uh, I think they're starting. Uh, I, I believe they're doing some sort of baseball league in Pakistan. I'd let him play with Philip Irvin over there, and I, I think he can make a lot of the money over there. But unfortunately, I just don't think he's a very serious baseball player. And I say that with love and respect. Uh, but I think there's better options now. Jonathan India. I do think there's a chance they keep him. Like everybody here has been saying. Uh, injuries plagued this team, right? Last year, it's no secret. I think injuries have. I made this point off the bench earlier. Uh, I guess that was yesterday. I, I I think injuries have killed the Reds the past several years. I don't hate having depth. Now, again, I don't know how much depth you really need or how much depth you are going to have in terms of like actual decent players like Jonathan India is. But again, if somebody goes down, having Jonathan India as the backup to the backup, I love it. Is there a world where we're focusing on the wrong infielder that's going to move? I mean, is there a world where maybe they move one of the other young infielders that maybe has a little bit more value in one of these packages and India still remains on the team and his, you know, reported conversation about moving to first base isn't a lie? Maybe CES is in these conversations or one of the other young guns? I don't think so, no. I mean, I, I I just think uh, I hate to be this guy and keep saying, "Hey, remember what Trey said about two hours ago? Remember, remember when I said that 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 Nick Crawl like tips his hand when he talks, and if you just pay attention and you just use use your logic, use your brain, just just try to listen to him for half a second. Uh, he he said something that that just wasn't true. Okay, he just lied, and that's okay. He, he's allowed, like Clay said, he's allowed to lie. Uh, here's the one thing that we're not talking about. It all comes down to what you can get back for uh, Jonathan India. And I, like I said, I think better just to sit here. Maybe we talk about what, what, uh, what Jameer Candelario brings to the table. And that's probably the better topic of conversation than sitting here talking about Jonathan India. Cause I, I don't mean, I, I just brought it up really quickly. Not to sit here and it's a fret on it all night long is this guys. Um, what you lose out on is what you can get in return for Jonathan India, sitting Jonathan India and letting him be depth behind guy, behind this guy, behind that guy is all well and good, but if he doesn't play a whole lot, then at some point, you know, his trade value is going to go down. That's just inevitable. So anyways, focusing back on this um, with, with Candelario, I think ultimately it, it it definitely gives them an opportunity to have a piece there in case CES isn't maybe what we hope he's going to be and i'm not trying to downplay what ces can or cannot be but there's also that point of what craig just mentioned which is hey if some of these guys don't step up no one's really talked about ces everyone always brings up uh mclean or steer or tj friedel or will benson is taking a step back it's possible that ces does that as well but ultimately at least you have a little bit of depth here uh with candelario so um, I don't know if anyone have anything else to add from his perspective. I've not really, unfortunately, I've not seen him play a ton. So I'd be lying if I said that, hey, I've seen this guy play a lot. I've looked at, obviously, his his baseball reference. I've looked at it, his, uh, the fan graphs of the world and things of that nature. But uh, if anyone else wants to speak on on seeing him play, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I legit watch a lot of Tigers, and I have for years. So I saw him. 
I've probably seen him play a hundred games or something. And um, last year, I know the metrics looked good at, at third base and he was good. He's n- typically not a plus defender. Like I did not see that at any point in previous years. So um, I don't know what got into him last year and he didn't play a lot of first base until last year. He started to play some um, to me. That's kind of, he's more of, I would prefer him at DH than in the field in terms of his bad, like, especially when he was in Detroit, like I'm, I don't know if everyone knows like how hard it is to hit home runs there. It's just massive. And he was like the ultimate doubles guy there. Um, he may have even like led the league in doubles or something ridiculous like that. I know Nick's going to fact check that. Um, and he would have hit a ton of home runs there. He had an injury season in 2022. That's why his numbers dipped and he ended up getting non-tendered because the Tigers really didn't want to spend the money. They weren't going in any kind of direction. They had a new front office. That's why he was moved on one year, prove a deal with, with Washington. And he had, he had well, and at times it was a little bit streaky and the power especially can be a little bit streaky, but overall he's a good hitter with a great approach at the plate. He'll draw walks. I think he's about a 9.2% walk rate or something around there. Um, He's just a damn good hitter is really what he is. And I think that the Reds got another bat that they can put, in, you know, in the middle of the lineup to second part of the lineup, you know, depending on how things shake out. And I love the move. I really do. In uh, 2021, he led all the major leagues with 42 doubles. So, yeah, I mean, right on with that. Since 2020, 110 WRC plus, 111 doubles, 11 triples, 58 home runs. Uh, 8.9 F4 during that period of time. So um, I think I saw that last year he was projected he would have hit 30 home runs in Great American Ballpark. Um, So he ended up with 22, would have been 30 in Great American. I've already got an article out on it. So if you all can help pay my bills and just click on the article out there, you can read all about him. Look at Clay. Oh, yeah, Clay. Where's that at? JustBaseball.com, a multimedia platform that covers the entire MLB. I'm going this to is it sickening. right now. This is sickening, Clayborn. Come on. Get all your MLB news for 29 teams at JustBaseball.com and then get your Reds baseball news from Chatterbox Reds. Right. Bring the Athletics Clay Twitter account back. Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad on my mental health. It's bad on theirs, too. Go ahead, Nick. You want to knock that out? Yeah, this is uh, from from Bryce Balding. Um, talking a little bit about what uh, Craig just said about how he's expected for 30 home runs last year. I mean, if you look at his spray chart here, um, you know, Bryce, as Bryce points out, a lot of uh, doubles and uh, doubles turning into home runs and uh, that kind of stuff. And uh also, if you go even a little bit further back, back in 2021, he would have had 27 home runs at Great American Ballpark. So um, he he probably has a lot more power than I think a lot of people might think, especially as it maybe translates to uh, uh, to Great American Ballpark. But look, this is just another nice player. I, I you know I don't I don't know how high his ceiling really is. I don't think he has a like a super high ceiling to where you know he's going to be a guy that that kind of is like an all-star, like like could could perform better than he has, but I I also don't see a very um low floor either. Like I, I think he's gonna be 
at least an average hitter, and an average hitter is valuable. Yeah, I listen. It all comes down to um, it, it all comes down to depth. I think to a certain extent, right? Like that's the that's the biggest piece of all this is that you're just adding another major league caliber player to the roster. And what do the Reds decide they want to do moving forward in regards to to kind of the 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 proverbial window that people want to talk about and things of that nature? They've shown that they're willing to go out and get some guys, and they're going to make a push for. 24 to be a year that they're gonna that they're gonna try to to compete and try to win a, a division now how hard they push we'll find out and i think ultimately it comes down to to uh what they decide to do and i assume we're laughing based off the fact that uh rookie of the year over there jonathan india looks like a damn no i'm uh, not laughing at that uh what are you more breaking news nixon zell just signed with the washington nationals good for him man two million dollars <laughs> plus a million in performance bonuses good for him are you telling me we want to see those big three rumors, for him? Yeah. no two million plus incentives no i think it comes down to craig i think i think listen it takes uh takes two to tango so, so, listen, these guys don't want to come here. Some of these guys just don't want to come here because ultimately, you know, they they want to play. I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, I think Nixon Zell wants to play, and that's that's an opportunity for him to to get at bats and and uh, you can say whatever you want. We can make fun of it. We can laugh at it. Uh, Nixon Zell, it wouldn't shock me if Nixon Zell was an average, or maybe I'll give him a little bit of above average player in the major leagues next year. It's just unfortunately for the Reds in the way in the way they're positioned right now, it just doesn't fit. It's the same concept with Joey Votto a little bit, you know. Joey Votto could be serviceable for somebody. I I I I don't have any doubts that Joey Votto couldn't possibly go out next year and be a serviceable player. It's just that where the Reds are at. Nick said this a thousand times. If he goes out the first three weeks and Joey Votto's not good and he's terrible. Do you want to put yourself as a franchise to have to cut Joey Votto, like DFA Joey Votto? Like, no. The risk, the risk, of, the risk of that happening is not worth the reward of him being a ninety-five, having a ninety-five OPS plus, and you can hang on for the rest of the year. I just want to Sorry say, if real, this is real, old news, but did you all? They just tweeted out the contract for Candelario, a three-year, forty-five million contract. With an additional option for a fourth year at fifteen million as well. For who? For Candelario. God bless. Yeah. So fifteen a year. But I will say, have you ever seen a prettier spray chart than that? Like that thing was the switch hitting spray chart. Beautiful. I mean, that, that is well. It's also money. you got to rem- remind or remember he's a switch hitter, so it's not right. One hundred percent. All fields at all times necessarily, but. Yeah, he's just a damn good hitter. That's less money than Mike Moustakas got. And, you know, I mean, we're hoping <laughs> Candelario could be a lot better than, than Mike Moustakas. But, I mean, like, that's I, – I, I know, like, that people might look Fat at moves. that contract and, and be like, oh, that's a lot of money. Oop. Well, it's less than Mike Moustakas got. So and, – and baseball contracts have gone up since 2020. So I, it, it might Inflation. feel like a little bit. Yeah, but I, I don't think it is. One, and we can put all the stock we want into projections and everything like that. For what it's worth, MLB Trade Rumors had him projected as the 13th best free agent with a four-year, $70 million deal. So 
some may say we we got a bargain here. So I I just don't think it really matters that much in a non-salary cap sport. And you can say the Reds have their own salary cap and whatnot, but like this deal lines up with arbitration, you know, for a lot of these players. Like it's it's not like they're all going to be free agents next year, and we just signed you know forty five million dollars on the books. That's going to hamper things. I I don't see it that way. I saw that number and thought, yeah, that's fine. You know, it didn't shock me or anything. One one other kind of thing to kind of think about here with 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 the Can- Candelario signing is, um, he, some of these the players on the on the Reds current roster, um, have drastic platoon splits, and I, and I don't think we necessarily everyone I think knows Benson, Fraley. Those guys, you know, the two lefties, Friedel's kind of proven that he can hit both, or at least he, he did last year. But guys like, like Spencer Steer was not necessarily a great hitter against right-handed pitching. Last year he had a 108 WRC plus against right-handed pitching. But if you look through his minor league stats, most of his value came against left-handed pitching. So I, I just think even, let's just say, everyone miraculously is healthy. This gives you a chance to play matchups a little bit more and and uh, you know on on a nightly basis where you, know, you can rotate you know like Steer McLean, um, Ces, uh, Marte, those guys rotate taking a day off against right-handed pitching, and then you know the lefties take off a day against right-handed pitching, and you can kind of rotate and uh, you know I think be able to match up a little bit better, and uh, I, I just think it'll you know it'll make your lineup deeper on a on a nightly basis. Yeah. Hey, listen. There's some crazy. There's some crazy opportunities that exist for the Reds. That you know, I mean, we could do a, we could do sports talk for the next 30 minutes. That would be, that would be hilariously absurd, and 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 then uh, maybe maybe it wouldn't be worth bringing up. But to sit here and suggest, you know, I I I'm, and I am not going to do this because I don't want to. Um, I don't want people to think we're being somewhat serious here. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that that. Um, that one of these young guys moves, uh, whether it be our second baseman, whether it be our shortstop, or whether it be our third baseman, that one of those guys moves from their position as well and goes um, to an outfield spot. <clears throat> not, I'm not suggesting that I would. That's what I'm hoping for or want because I still would like to see those guys um, progress, and I want to give the young guys an opportunity to be infielders first. But let's not also act like. Two of those guys couldn't move to a corner. Uh, one of those guys definitely could play wherever the hell he wants in the world, in my opinion. But we're not going to go down that path yet. One of them can move to a corner outfield spot tomorrow, and I'd feel comfortable about it. Um, and maybe you could convince me that um, Matt McClain could, but I don't think that that's going to happen. But the, I, I just want to bring that up as well, of sitting here saying, let's not get ourselves in a position where we think we have to slot these guys into certain spots. Let's let it all play out. He's a major league talent. We'll figure it out after. We'll f- we'll figure it out later to a certain extent. That's all I'm saying. Nick, what was the last time said about Candelario in the chat? <laughs> Nick, when was the last minutes. time the Reds had two switch hitting infielders? Couldn't tell you. Do you know the Alejo Lopez and Astrubal Cabrera? Oh. Estrubel, he was real good. I think he was what 0 for 30 to start his career with the Reds, and then he got cut. Yeah. Something like that. That was magical. 
That was a man. Oh wait, I'm being too loud. I'm being. I'm getting the signal. I'm being too loud. <laughs> I gotta go. I'm being too loud. I gotta go. Hey, I told uh, you to be I'm, quiet. I'm sorry. I, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't quiet enough, unfortunately. There. Uh, I, I'm getting the signal. Hey, everybody, have a great night. Uh, I'm very happy for Nick and Trace. This is what they wanted. They wanted Jonathan Indy on a first class ticket out of Cincinnati. Uh, I don't know where they sh- they're shipping him off to. I guess you'll have to you have to tune back into Chatterbox Reds. Uh, Clay. Bring back uh, Chatterbox, Chatterbox, or not Chatterbox A's, uh, just regular A's. Just bring bring back the A's account. Uh, and Craig, I love you. I gotta go, guys. We'll see you later. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting yelled at. Good night. I'm getting, I'm getting All right, but but yeah. anyways, I don't know if either three of you, if any three of you, have something to add to that. I, I just, you know, hey, you never know what's gonna happen, man. They did put CES and right field, uh, I believe, in AAA to try it out. Um, I talked to RM Layton, who does the prospect stuff at Just Baseball, uh, before Marte debuted, and he had mentioned that he could see that as a path, a corner outfield spark from for Marte at some point. Like, not saying they should do it or anything, but like he had mentioned, you know, that's somebody who could probably fit out there. And um, so that's really the only thought I put into it. Of course, Matt McLean played outfield some in college, but hasn't really been an emphasis since. Um, I mean, but like you said, Trace, like. It's one of those teams, man. It's they've got a lot of players that can do a lot of different things and a ton of athletes that may not have done those things yet, but certainly could if they put in an offseason to do so. I also don't want to overlook Condelario's experience. I mean, he brings seven plus years of major league experience to a ball club who has I think not a single infielder with more than like three years of experience at least on the current roster. So, I mean, we lose the veteran presence in Joey Votto. And so there was probably a desire by the Reds to go out and add some veteran leadership to this squad as well, um, especially if you're really looking to make a push. Now, Condelario hasn't been on a ton of competitive teams, but in terms of being in the league and being a professional, having seven-plus years, including, what, five of them around Miggy, um, certainly could potentially give you an opportunity to give some leadership to this young squad. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of people in the chat worried about Reds trading young players. Or I, I don't think the Reds are going to move Marte to another position. I think Clay was just suggesting that as a possibility. I, I don't think yeah, that is. All that was that I have discussed it before a year and a half ago. I don't think any of that's going to happen, and I don't think that they should move. To me, it's the rich got r- richer. They had a really good infield and they added a really good player to their infield. I don't think that they're going to be making drastic changes or anything like that. Um, you know, trace gave the warning. We don't think these things We're just ta- going to mention them before we got in there, but I can understand where people will hear differently. Well, I just think really quickly on this. I, I just think that someone tomorrow is going to wake up. They're going to see that the Reds signed a guy that plays third base. Right, that 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 is inevitably going to happen, and a casual fan is going to ask the question, "Well, what are they doing with these young guys, Marte?" I'm just saying that you know, before we sit here and we pin these guys in as every day whatever position you want to put them at, let let's all just realize that there is some flexibility here. It's not like these guys can't possibly move. That's all I'm saying. And is that Plan A? No, that's not Plan A. But if plan A always worked, then Nick Senzel right now would be in the All-Star game last year and he'd be playing shortstop for your Cincinnati Reds. 
that's just not how it goes. So ultimately, let's just my point is is let's just let the chips fall where they may in spring training. Let these guys go and play. Let's figure out how many of these guys actually are big leaguers. I think I think we all think that most of them are, but the fact is is we don't know yet. Um I do know this. Candelario is a big league. He's a big leaguer, and that's a fact. And we'll see where we'll see where everybody else falls in line as well. So, and if anybody is fired up about this, I would like to think that it's David Bell because if it it helps him out tremendously in regard to the concept of not always having to be super, 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 super platoony all the time for every single one of these infield or not an infield position, but every, every single one of these position player uh, splits that are, that are not all that great. So, you know, for people like me who can't stand the fact that the lineup changes every other day, because based off who's pitching, this is, this is a, this is a neat, decent ad. I mean, you only need really one player to have an injury or to regress to have a spot for him every day. He can play first base. He can play third base. Steer can play all over. You have a, you, you've built a roster of guys that can, that can move around. So you want to sign a guy like Candelario now and not get halfway through the season and be like, Oh shit, we need a guy like Candelario because we see how expensive players cost at the trade deadline. You spend your money. Now you sign your free agents and it protects you into the season. Um, I'm not worried about at-bats. I think worrying about who's getting at-bats is the dumbest thing in baseball. Every single year, people worry about this, and 99% of the time, it solves itself. Um, you, you can't have too many good players. You can't have too many good hitters. Um, I think David Bell does a pretty good job of, of maybe his biggest strength is mixing and matching, but also doing it in a way where he seems to not have everyone hate each other. He he seems like Will Benson and Jake Fraley have been great hitters. And those guys were platooned. And I don't really ever remember hearing those guys complaining about it or creating any sort of issue. That's, I think, what David Bell is really good at is, is putting guys in the role, explaining to them what their role is, and getting them to buy in. And he's going to have to do even a better job because the Reds have more good players now. To me, the one thing with this also is like the Reds are not stopping right here. They don't sign Candelario and say, that's it. Like if anything, it's just a sign. You right. know, you sign a couple of bullpen guys, a guy who can flex into the rotation. Maybe he's a starter next year. But like none of those pieces were, this is it. We've checked everything off the list now and we're done. Like this is just one move and it's an indication that they're spending money. And if they're if people who are complaining, that's too much. Well, it's just an indication that they're they have money that they're willing to spend, in my opinion. And I know that people are gonna come back and say, Oh, you know, look at the past, whatever. You really think that they're gonna say Pagan, Martinez, Candelario called it an offseason? No. This is just one more move. I still think that they have not made their biggest move yet. I don't know what that's gonna be, but th- I, I don't see a team make these moves and say, that's it, and be done. On December seventh, yeah. this is a team that everybody's been blasting for not spending enough money and going out and putting a winner out there. They've spent 
They've committed $87 million this offseason already, and we're not even to December 8th. Well, we're barely to December 7th now, right? So, I mean, this is still extremely early. The quote-unquote hot stove as a whole has been pretty cold up until now. There's a lot of big dominoes that people are waiting to have fall until they uh, really start to move. I think once you see Otani sign this weekend is is at least what they're saying. Um you know, we'll probably start to see a lot more pieces fall in place depending on where he ends up. But for a team that had a payroll last year of, I don't even remember what it ended up being, $67 million or something like that, including Joey Votto's big contract, I mean, they're making moves. They're replacing that money that they spent on Joey Votto with other pieces that are actually going to be able to contribute to the puzzle. Um so for all those people that wanted to see the Reds do something, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, do something, do something, do something. Oh, but not that. Well, it all depends on if you think they're being if you think that they're being efficient with the money that they're spending. And that that's a reasonable debate, uh, depending on which angle you want to take. I definitely think that if we're in the position where this franchise and this front office has decided that they think that um and, and when I say this, I don't want people to get get upset at me talking about windows. I don't mean it in the sense that that you only have a chance to win in one window versus the next. What I mean by the 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 window that is let's just call it the next two years, because I think if you put if you if you asked all of us, which I guess I could, but I'm just saying, I think that if you made me say what year I feel the most confident that this team is is going to win this division, I'm going to probably tell you 2025. Um, and maybe 2026. And it doesn't mean that I want to sit here and, and chant off the rafters and say, hey, we're not ready to win yet, so we don't need to do anything. You know, like, of course, of course we want to win. Of course we want to maybe, if we can't win the division next year, I'd like to think that we're five games better and they find themselves in a playoff situation and maybe you can replicate what the Diamondbacks did. And who the hell knows, maybe you get lucky and you win the whole damn thing. I don't know. But my main point to what I'm saying is it appears based off the moves that they're making that they might genuinely think that they have their core. And th- and that core is ready to play. Like, they might say, you know what? Ellie De La Cruz is a dude. You guys can say whatever you want, but we've seen enough. He's a dude. He's going to play shortstop next year every single day, and he's going to be an all-star, and he's going to be one of the best players in Major League Baseball. And oh, by the way, we think we have the best second baseman in Major League Baseball, or arguably the best be- uh, second base in Major League Baseball, Matt McClain's second base, and that's not even the best player in the infield because he's at third base. That I mean, that's a reasonable that's a reasonable thing to think. I don't know if they believe that, and I guess my point is, is when they keep making these moves, it makes it leads me to believe that they might genuinely think. That if they go out, and let's just say you said it earlier, Clay, that it's not our money. If they were to go out and get, and I know I'm, this is like maybe pie in the sky and I could be the Mr. Naive guy. If they go out and get a glass now, right? And they're like, you know what? We're just going to push it a little bit here. And we're going to show this fan base that we're, because there's some PR issues that the Cincinnati Reds have had of recent. It's not unfathomable to think that they might not just use this as an as an opportunity to try to win over a fan base or a portion of the fan base that is that has become a little disinterested because they kind of reeled them back in last year without really needing to open up the checkbook right like Ellie De La Cruz and that young roster was selling out games in the middle of the summer at 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 a great amount and that was money they never expected so my point to all of this rambling is it wouldn't shock me in the slightest 
if they went out and got a glass now. And it doesn't mean that they think they have to go all in and win it next year. It's just an opportunity, if anything else, in my opinion, to see what you have next year, give it a chance. And also, and you can say whatever you want, but it is business after all. And that's not a bad PR move is to go out and spend extra and overpay for a, for a, a high risk, high reward glass now move. A little bit about the Candelario deal, too. Like, we don't really know what the market's looking like at third base. Like, Matt Chapman is not going to age well, in my opinion. He's going to get a deal that is is going to be way more expensive and way more years. And really, it's coming down to when you have a free uh, a a weak free agent class, especially in the infield, that's going to affect trade values, and that's how the market adjusts is if you can't sign one, you have to trade for one, and that gets more expensive. So the Reds... It may right now look like, oh, man, that's too much money. Let's just see how everything else plays out. We don't have to decide on December 7th about a contract if it's too much money or not before he's taken an at-bat. Like That's just not something that we have to talk about right now. Or or we can talk about it. We just don't have to make it to, you know, a decision on it. Um, but, yeah, in my opinion, Trace, like, like you said, it's just I feel like this is not the biggest move of the offseason. I just – don't feel that way. The Reds have something that a a lineup that's has the chance to be special. And if this is all that they do, then I'll, you know, all the people that are always in my mentions and your all's mentions telling us how much the front office sucks. Like I'll agree with you. If that's it, if they just roll out a team and don't do anything else, but like I think that they're going to do something else here. The biggest thing with these three signings is they're all short-term deals, which is what I've been saying all year. I would- the Reds to be aggressive with short-term deals, even if they overpay a little bit, rather overpay for uh, a short-term deal than than um, maybe underpay for something really long. But Martinez is two years, Pagan's two years, Candelario's three years. If any of these contracts completely don't work out, they're only a couple years. They're not going to set this franchise back, uh, you know, very far. And uh, uh, that's that's really important. Um, the headline, the headline here is the Reds have spent $87 million and it's December 7th. They've spent $87 million in free agency and it's December 7th. That's the headline. Take it to the bank. Yeah, we'll find out guys. Uh, I don't know if there's anything really left to add on, on, uh, on Jameer, but just a guy that uh, offers some depth, certainly extend some more question marks on what this team's going to do from the infield perspective. And then lastly, you know, for all those that are worried about this, that, and the other, sometimes it's hard to see the, 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 the full puzzle without all the pieces. And I don't think that this is all the pieces yet, as Clay's mentioned and Craig's mentioned, give this front office, I would say the rest of the front, uh, the rest of the, uh, the, the off season to show us maybe what their full plan is. Um, because if they already, let's just say they already have some kind of, uh, a plan for a guy like Jonathan India. This it always goes back to him, but I, it, I would be shocked and it would be hard pressed for me to believe that they haven't had extended talks with a significant amount of, of suitors for Jonathan India dating all the way back to last trade deadline. And they probably have a pretty good feel on what they can get in return. And my guess is they're probably using what they think they can get in return to maybe leverage that up against a, a, another deal to allow them to possibly get something else that we want, which is starting pitching. We're not going to be able to get rid of Jonathan India and get starting pitching for what you've always mentioned, Nick. There's not going to be a team that thinks they can win now, which is a win-now move with getting Jonathan India, and them trade away a starting pitching piece. But you could make the case 
that if they're able to get some prospects back, leverage those prospects to either deal those specific prospects or deal prospects that you think that you're basically going to replace out of your own farm system for somebody else. That's how you could do that. So let's just be patient, you know, show a little bit of a little bit of restraint on the idea of acting like, oh my God, they went out and signed a first baseman or a third baseman and we 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 still don't have a starting pitcher. We don't have an outfielder. Just pump the brakes. We got a big leaguer. He didn't cost any prospects. And all it was was Bob's checkbook, which everybody wants to spend anyways. Wouldn't be the offseason without Nick Kirby. You know things are heating up when he's trying to break the world record of uh, podcasts in a week on the Cincinnati Reds. And I think we're getting closer by the day on breaking that record. I'm finally here, though. I am finally here. I've sat a few of these out. I try to be a good parent in the offseason. You know, take your kids to, to practice. Try to be there. Um, herd cats uh, is what they call coaching at uh, the seven-year-old level if those are wondering for uh, basketball but nonetheless Solly joins us uh, many may know him maybe from the no laying up podcast but uh, he's tired of golf he didn't say that I'm saying that for him I said uh, so it. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna talk a little Reds baseball with us you have as always Nick Kirby uh, gentlemen the winter meetings, uh, I don't know if you can say they're heating up. Um, Mr. Meter down there at Reds Fest told us it was basically just a bunch of uh, glad handing going on down there anyways. And uh, now that the invention of technology called cell phones, they can just text each other. They don't have to actually get in the same room anymore and try to iron out this stuff. But uh, there, there is it's starting to move. There was a there was a well, I don't know if it's been official. You guys may know I've been uh, I've been off the beaten path of my cell phone for a few hours, but it looked like. The Yankees uh, were going to land Soto, and it appears that things are starting to somewhat move. The Dylan Cease rumors are in full full demand, it seems. And then, obviously, you have Glass now. Uh, his name swirls around from time to time. But, gentlemen, first, before we get into uh, the plethora that is, what can the Reds do this offseason? Who should we go after? What options do we have? How? I guess I'll just ask you how you're doing, whether I care, the chat cares, who cares? I'll ask you anyways. How you guys doing? Oh man, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm but I can't recall being more excited for a, a Reds offseason in my career as a life as a Reds fan. Really, it's uh we'll get into kind of some free agent guys that I'm guys that I think I'd be happy if the Reds found a way to add to the team, right? And usually this time of year we are dreading whatever name is about to come across the waiver wire as uh, as the guy that the Reds just signed. And it's usually kind of piecing something together and uh, you know. There's usually a really strict budget that, you know, you get like one shot, maybe at one free agent per year, and they never seem to get the right guy in that slot. But this year's so totally different that like I, I'm not stressed about the money. That's also not my money, but there's just so much opportunity to take what's already a really, really good team and make it, I think, really, really, really good. And you could do it in so many different ways, and we'll get into a bunch of those. And I'm following it every single day. I listen to you guys every every episode you do, and I'm excited to chat with you guys about it. Awesome, thank you, Solly. I, I appreciate uh, appreciate the kind words, Nick. Um, I just seen you not that long ago. You were in full great spirits as always. Not, I would hope that that's still the case. I also just realized that my uh, my thing says the club's closers rock. <laughs> Which is that just must auto save. I don't know. That must have been an auto save from way back when the clubs were just blowing games left and right. But uh, that made me chuckle. Nick, how you doing, man? You doing all right? Well, that must have been that. Uh, was that the first weekend in September? The back to back, back to back ninth inning games. Seems like a Nick Martini thing, I, I, if I can remember right. I, I I definitely think it was a Nick Martini thing. Um, that might have been the famous quote of the the Pfizer Martini quote. That might have been where that that resurrected from. But, um. 
Nick, I, I don't know if there's somewhere specific that you want to start, but ultimately, obviously, uh, we're in a position now where, I don't know, we, we took a lot of guesses, Nick, on when it exactly is the shoe going to drop, when is when are you going to start pushing uh, the envelope, per se, on on making moves. Um, I, I'm You said it, I've said it, it's a long offseason, patience is a virtue at times, many of us maybe uh, failed to have that at times, but uh, where, where do you want to start this, uh, this Rodeo? Well, I mean, the Reds have probably spent more than at least half the teams in baseball, like in free agency, right? I mean, there's just not a whole lot going on yet. Um, I wasn't sure when when Reds general manager Brad Meter was was making those comments to us if if that was just posturing or or not. I do wonder though. the The thought kind of came to my mind. I wonder if like the executives across baseball are a little disappointed that there's not more action going on this week, where they put so much stock into this, where um, you know, they're having MLB network, uh, live in Nashville, almost 24 seven. Um, you know, I feel like they probably want a little more to happen. And I don't know. I think back to remember the ugly season with the lockout right before it went in lockout, there was like this, this clock of all these guys that signed, uh, like Corey Seager right before. And it almost feels like if MLB could make some sort of clock to kind of make this, I feel like it would make the offseason a lot more fun for a fan to follow at least. I don't know what they could do. I mean, they could obviously, uh, I guess the MLB, if they put in like a, a pool of money or something goofy like that, I mean, then you'd get people that were absolutely, they'd be upset about that. You know, it, no matter what the league does, there'll be somebody that's upset. Maybe they can find a way to where there's, you can incentivize uh, some kind of trade or some kind of signing that if you were to sign somebody in this time frame, then maybe you get some kind of complimentary pick late in the draft that maybe probably yeah, never ends up mattering at all. But who knows? Maybe that's the the incentive that these GMs need to try to move the needle a little bit during this week. Listen, I've said it all along. If there's one league, one professional sport in the entire world that does a piss poor job of trying to market their sport, Major League Baseball is going to be near the top of the list. Now, whether or not that matters, I don't know. I mean, but like I've said a million times, you know, one thing they could do, Nick and Sully, that would that would give you a little bit of life is release the schedule during this time. Do we need to find out the schedule in the middle of a pennant race? I mean, what? that's my point. Like, it does I mean, I guess you could say, oh, what about ticket sales? What about season tickets? What about the, 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 I, I don't, you could even run like, you could even run like a, a, a holiday sale right now if you're the Reds and they just announced the schedule. But I mean, I'm not, like I said, I don't know anything about marketing. I know nothing about business. I just, it would just seem to me like those things might make sense. But anyways, I digress. I'm not going to rant here before we, uh, before we get into too far into the show. I, I can challenge you on which sport does, uh, does their marketing worse because the, the sport I cover is uh, currently going through. I, I don't even know what words I'm allowed to use on this show about what that's going through. So it's it's interesting to hear their perspective about a different sport. But I thought I was getting a release from that tonight. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about that. Luckily, Nick's going to save the day here. Nick, uh, th listen, there is a... Um, I, I know Solly didn't want to use the term, but there there is a, I guess, a list of folks or players, I should say, that the Reds have an opportunity to get. Uh, there is a certain list that that we assume... And I, I guess I don't like saying that because it makes us feel like we're lesser than the other teams. But let's face it, I'm not going to be here not, and be naive. There is a certain list of people we, ha we, we, we aren't going to have an opportunity to go get. And those names are like Otani. And I would even say probably even a Bellinger. Um, but you get my point here. 
as we progress through this, are you starting to feel like, and I know Solly certainly does, do you feel like there's a list or a shorter list of names that you're starting to get like, hey, these are guys that would get me excited and these are realistic names? There's, I, I think everyone I've put on the list that I think we'll look at eventually is somewhat realistic. Obviously, there's some high-end names in there, and obviously you can't sign all of them, but I think the Reds payroll is sitting somewhere around $67 million right now, if I have that right, something around that with projected arbitration raises and all that. So, again, if you would if you adjust like for inflation payrolls uh, that the Reds have had over the last, like going back to like 2015, like at one point they got up to – in 2023 dollars, $145 million payrolls, right? So in theory of, of amounts they've spent before pre-pandemic, which is probably a different world, spending world than what they're interested in right now. In theory, based on that, there's another almost $80 million to go before they would reach a, a, a previous high in payroll. So I don't think they'll get there, but that's all to show like you almost can't overspend this year and even probably into next year. Like they, they, they can't spend too much money. There's not enough roster spots really to fill in uh, too much money. So I would like to see them get a big money guy, a big name guy. I, I, we can talk about the Glasnow thing, but uh, I, I don't, I just don't know how many one to two year, 25 ish per year guys are still kind of sitting out there, right? A lot of the guys that are in that 25 million AAV range are looking at three to four year deals. And that's probably going to give a bit of pause. Nick, I know you've been all over this one of like, do whatever you want with these next two years payroll. I mean, and they have so far, like is Emiliano, is Emilio Pagan, worth eight million a year like probably not but hey he makes the reds better right and it doesn't really matter because they're not butting up against uh any kind of number that scares me in any way and, and that move should not prevent them from adding adding or retaining the talent to keep them competitive that's the whole thing how i approach i as like i matter as a fan but how i view the reds approach into free agency and spending is uh, you know is there any move that that has been made that's going to preclude them from either retaining talent that we would really like to keep or adding key pieces that they really need to add. And I don't think we're anywhere close to that. Yeah, I concur with all that. Uh, the the Reds in history have not made their big signings till closer to Christmas. Uh, so it, it's still early, you know, based on what the Reds are. It just seems like right now everything's held up on Otani. Like, like you're not going to see a whole lot of big multi-year deals. Now, there might be some of these guys that are, you know, going to say, hey, this is a good value for me on a short-term deal or a, um, you know, a lower number, and they're going to go. But everyone else thinks that they can get more. Even, even some of the trades, like it sounds like the Dylan Cease talk is kind of calmed down a little bit because the White Sox um, are like, well, let's wait till Otani's done because we might be able to get a team that feels a little more desperate after Otani goes. One of the the big players that that are in the market for him, so. It's a huge domino thing, right? I mean, if, if you know, if like even somebody like Candelario is probably waiting to see like, all right, if the if so-and-so whiffs on Otani, like, you know, a big market team is going to have some money to spend potentially. Like, what's the point in going and sign, signing for $39 million three years with a Cincinnati when, you know, the Dodgers might have 45 for me here in a couple of weeks if they if they really miss out. So it is, a, and it's, it's affecting pitching and hitting markets, I think, I really do think. And, you know, that obviously with the, the few Japanese poster, uh, pitchers that have been posted as well, uh, there's just some huge, you know, kind of dominoes that need to fall before the rest of stuff can fall. I'm surprised there's been enough, as much action as there has been, honestly, on the red side, at least. Yeah, I was surprised both of those deals happened last week uh i feel like if they had happened like on tuesday it'd feel a little bit more like hey we're right in the middle of the winter meetings but it kind of it, right. it kind of happened right before like reds fest which um i know Sully, you know you're you're out of town but 
like like here it kind of almost felt like some of those kind of got swept under the the rug a little bit uh which is wild because this is legitimately two of the the bigger free agents the reds have signed like the reds don't sign many free agents uh especially free agents uh like and nick martinez is making uh 14 million dollars uh next year uh that that's that's significant for at least this franchise 100 percent, and um I, I, I look if I'm looking at what they've spent so far, 22 million in for 2024. Like, do I think they could have got more wins above replacement for 22 million dollars? I do, but at the same time, we need we need them to add reliever. And I mean, stuff's expensive, man. It's 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 the Reds are not players in this in in this water usually, right? And I don't know if if Reds fans are fully like aware now of what, uh, at least from what I read online, what some of this replacement level stuff costs, right? Like to get a win above replacement might cost $8 million. Right. And uh, that's crazy. When I was a really much bigger baseball fan, 10, 12 years ago, it was like 4 million and it really has doubled over the course of a decade. Yeah. What did Eric uh, uh, Fetty sign for two years, 15 million. I mean, like, and he's a guy just coming back from Japan, had one good year in Japan after a lot of bad years in, in the majors, and he's getting $15 million guaranteed uh, right off the bat. So, yeah, I mean, contracts just probably whatever people are signing for, you should say take half of that, and that's probably about what like the normal thought process is what we think a contract would be valued at. Which I said this to you earlier this week, too, is there's people out there that think Hunter Green, $16 million in 2028 for his first free agent year is not a good deal. Yeah. I mean, think how good that has. The, I mean, of course, he could get hurt. Of course, he could show up. But like, that is probably going to look really, really, really good uh, here in a few years. And if I'm the Reds, again, they're in such a ridiculously unique situation. I can't ever remember a time, you know, definitely in Reds history, where they have this clean slate of truly choosing your own adventure, right? And having this, this run of guys all in the same window to say like, all right, this really should be a long competitive window. And it's, again, if you, if you game all this stuff out way down the line, I mean, there's, there's opportunities to, I know this probably sounds sacrilegious now, and I I know we're focused on 2024, but like, you know, Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain are both Boris guys. And like, they're just, I'd be absolutely stunned if either of them were here past six years. But if you had this middle infield depth that, Hey, in three years, like Ellie's trade value is still probably going to be absolutely through the roof. Right. And you can, trade him and repl- like replenish a lot of other areas and replace him with uh, up the up the middle infield depth that you have like there's just stuff that there's enough stuff going on in other layers into the future that's like hey maybe we don't chip Edwin Arroyo out right now right i mean like it, it might make the 2024 reds better might make the 2025 reds better uh if if, if he's involved with Dylan Cease but like that that's that may not be the right move we got breaking oh, news. No. Oh no! We yeah. got breaking news. This Eduardo, sucks. not not for the Reds. Eduardo Rodriguez and the Diamondbacks have advanced to discussions about a multi-year contract. A deal is not finalized, but the NL champs are among the finalists. I don't know. I Reds and Force said Erod to the D-backs, and I, I thought it was, and then I like didn't read the whole thing, and now it's not finalized. Reds and Force threw me off, but it sounds like it's probably happening, just like Soto's probably happening. Yeah, we'll find cycles. out. That, that, that's what that's that's we talk about dominoes with with uh with Otani, but there there is a second level to this that I think that could move the needle a little bit too, right? Like uh the 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 White Sox can sit around and they can act like the cease is is needs to be at this value in order to move him. But if one of let's just say there's I don't know, but I'll just say there's three really genuinely interested teams that are that are that are kind of at the table that are willing to start to give the White Sox 
close to what they're looking for. And then you add in the fact that Glass now, let's just say he, let's say he moves off the board to one of those teams that that was supposedly interested in Cease. The White Sox might be in a position now where they're like, okay, we might be a little more apt to try to move the needle here and get and, and move this along and, and get the deal done. So I don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all on board with the idea that Otani m- might lead the whole entire revolution of, of a, a domino effect of people moving. But as, as, as any other negotiation goes in life, as soon as you feel like there's an opportunity for something to slip away that you desire, you know, it almost doesn't really matter what you had felt like before you're in a new position. So um, I, I don't know wh- where exactly the Reds are. And the million dollar question, in my my opinion, and you'll never get a truthful answer out of Nick Crawl and, and Meter and all these guys, is what do they truly believe they have for twenty four? If they truly believe that they could that they could win ninety plus games with the core that they have, I think that they would be willing to move on someone like a Dylan Cease or a Glass now. If even if it hurt and it's going to hurt, like let's let's all can we all at least agree on that? Like if we're going to get a guy that has struck 200 guys out for three straight years and has been a part of the Cy Young conversation and and he's got two years control, it's going to come at a cost. And the question is, are you willing to say inside the room that, hey, we actually believe that Will Benson and TJ Friedel and and Marte and I'll even put in uh, CES in that mix. I believe in McLean, which uh, out of all of them, maybe he ends up struggling the most. Who knows? That, that's the crazy part about all this is that the question I have to the group is, what is it that we're comfortable with here? Because if we want to do what Sully mentioned, which I'm not opposed to, of saying, hey, if our philosophy is we're not going to extend guys, we're going to run these guys out to their fifth and sixth years, and we might trade them at the very, very last leg of this to try to replenish this system, then it, then ultimately you would be a little more apprehensive maybe to let go of Petty and Louder. Like, that's where I'm at. You can't get Rhett and get Petty and then also not truly believe behind closed doors that you can go out and genuinely win in 24 and 25. Yeah, it. it um, and maybe I used Arroyo. Uh, maybe I should have said Collier in there, right, to say, like, maybe Collier fits the next window, the next world, the next phase better. You know, and Arroyo is truly blocked for... I don't think he's MLB ready just yet, but starting in 25 probably is, right? And if you're asking, do I feel comfortable with it as it stands now? No, but I think there's a, some couple pretty simple moves they could make that I would feel start to feel really, really comfortable, right? Some kind of a, a big, dumb right-handed bat that's going to hit some lefty pitching that can DH against lefties and play a little bit of position stuff. Yes, a, another glove in the outfield. I, I I still just don't love how the glove... I, I've been trying to find the, the, the righty-hitting outfielder that that solves a lot of our problems and can can pick it in the in in the field that's something i feel like reds fans are not talking enough about is like reds defense is, was bad last year like really bad and hasn't really isn't really slated to improve a whole lot as it stands right now uh especially if they stick with stevenson behind the behind the dish and they got to they got to get better uh either a lot better on offense or a lot better in the field right one of those two i don't know if you can accomplish both of them with what's out there on the free agent market how many roster spots they have but one, if you get better in one of those, then I feel a lot better. Um, let me clarify. If you get better in those through only spending money, I'd feel a lot better about spending any pro- prospect capital on something like Cease. But I still think like I, I'm not in a hurry to do Cease with what's out there on the free agent uh, market right now. That's only going to cost you dollars, and they have those to spend. I'd much rather the Reds be going after free agents than 
blowing through the farm system. I, I, I differ a little bit. I don't think if the Reds are, you know, projected right now to win 90 games, I'm necessarily saying, yep, I'm full speed ahead. I think you should always be playing the prospect game. I think you should always be thinking five years ahead. I think that's how, you know, smart franchises work. The big thing that we don't know, though, is how many of these free agent pitchers are actually interested in coming to pitch for Cincinnati. That's the, the question, the answer that I don't know. Like a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, the you know the Reds have, have had talks with. There's been several reports of that. Would the Reds have to pay such a high premium for him to come pitch at Great American Ballpark that 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 makes it not worth it for the Reds? I don't know the answer. To that is that why they're looking more at the trade route. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you're someone who's, who's been you know uh, uh, you know constantly going after ownership, constantly going after ownership. I don't know why you, I feel like if you say, just go make a big trade, throwing all your chips on your prospect, I kind of feel like you're giving ownership a big pass on that. Yeah. I, the only pushback I would say a little bit here, guys, is like, we're not going to be in a position to go after um, starting pitchers of the value of a Dylan Cease in the open market. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. We're, 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 we're not in that boat. We're not a part of that. We're not a part of that elite group of, of, of franchises that can go do those things. So, if and again, this is where um, I'm a little opposite sometimes of the of the narrative of the prospect hugging, and I know that I, I hate that term, but I feel like that's the term that, that that gets used the most. Is that if you are consistently good at developing and you believe that your edge as an organization is to be able to find guys, scout guys, develop guys, and and be able to turn that over, you just got fortunate. You got the number two pick. I've said all along doesn't move the needle a whole lot with me because ultimately at the end of the day, you still got to get the guy right. And there's a million guys to choose from. And I, I get it. Number two is a lot better than 15. But my main point to all of this is if, if it is, that's your strength, then you can be willing to say, you know what, if this is the question, this is why it always comes back to the main question of, do you believe behind closed doors? You're going to tell the public, of course you believe in all these young guys. Of course, of course you think you're ready to compete in 24. Meter just stood there right at the right at the podium and looked you straight in your face and told him that, that well, our goal is to win the NL Central. Well, no shit. I mean, what else is the guy going to say? So my, my, but my point is, is behind closed doors, does he believe that? Because if he does believe that, then I think that he could say, you know what? We love Petty. We love Louder. But we also love Ty Floyd. We think Ty Floyd could be a guy, but we also love XYZ as well in that group of guys. And you know what? If if so be it, I still feel confident in myself between the international pool and between drafting, we will replace something like that. Now, the only wild card and the asterisk to all of this, guys, is that you can convince me that they might have one guy in the organization that behind closed doors they think is a do not touch, which is we think this guy could be a Justin Verlander-esque, and I know that's high praise, but that's that I could understand them saying that. You can't convince me they have four of those guys. Yep. You can't convince me of that. So if they're going to be willing to go out and say, you know what, Edwin Arroyo um, and Louder, and if you're telling me it costs petty too, that's that's tough. I get it. But my main point to all of this is, is that this franchise is not going to be in a position to go get a Dylan Cease. And not and not be in, and it's, it's going to have yeah. you're going to you're going to have to pay you're going to have to pay via prospects and not not the pocketbook and that's unfortunately the facts. I wish Kirby we could go out in the free agent market and wait until Cease is, is on the open market and get him, but we're not going to be able to do that. So. I, my 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 counter to that 
on the the this guy in, in evaluating him is I think the Reds internally thought Nixon Zell was the absolute truth. And I don't think there was any reason to think otherwise when he was coming up. I think they valued Nixon Zell a hell of a lot higher than they valued Matt McLean this time last year. And this is know. why the numbers game matters. Having a plethora of prospects matter because even if you're great at evaluating guys, every team's going to miss on some, even teams that are doing a really good job. And, and that's why, I, it, it, man, I, maybe there's a guy that you don't believe in, and that might be the better way to look at it. Okay, I don't believe in this guy. We'll trade him as opposed to saying, well, I really, really believe in this one guy, so I think I can get rid of this other guy that I like. That's where I think you kind of get into a dangerous game and you cannot miss. You make a trade for Dylan Cease and you give up four really good prospects, you cannot miss. Red did that with Matt for Matt Latos, oh. and they, they did well, they didn't really miss. It really wasn't that, you know, overall that ended up being well, and Matt Latos ended up having really a couple of really great years, led to a 97 win team. Uh, and again, I don't really love Matt Latos not going on that road tonight, but <laughs> but that that they didn't really miss on that. There's not a grand all into being really good, but it wasn't one of these set the franchise back, but man, you could, you could miss on that and cease comes and cease isn't really all that good. And you give away two pitchers that are all-star pitchers and it sets your entire franchise back. You it do does. Tyler Malley it, trade. I mean, for Minnesota, right? I mean, an injury and all of a sudden you're like, well, geez, they got, not only did they turn Hajar into Will Benson, they got Spencer steered and CES out of that. Like it, I'm with you, Trace. I, 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 we're not going to get a, a Dylan Cease on the free agent market. At the same time, the only way the Reds are going to build competitive teams this year, next year, any year, is through like a significant amount of homegrown talent, six years controllable, right? I mean, it's just a small market team. That it just so much has to come from that because the Reds are never going to be able to play, pay ten million per at every position on the field, right? That's just not going to happen. So. You have to have these windows where you know six years of of control of somebody is so much, and there's so much value in that, right? So it's like, hey, is 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 you know six years of Chase Petty worth two years of Dylan Cease, even like straight up, like to hand in the uh, you know hand in the bush, whatever all that phrase might be. Like, of course, right. like the immediate payoff is nice, and uh, at the same time, it's like you know it, it's really hard to watch one a guy go and and tear it up somewhere else and, and miss out on a lot of years of control. So it's tough. Now, all that being said, the Reds have such a solid and deep core right now. They're not, if I'm looking at like the prospects that, that are, that are on the verge of making, making the team or even, even around high a, there's no one in particular that we're really waiting on. Like once so-and-so gets here, that's when it's go time. That, and that tells me they have some capital to spend, right? I mean, there's almost there's some weaknesses in starting pitching, and you know, I'd hate to deal from that depth. But like, if 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 we're talking about filling in the top of the rotation and a totally separate conversation, if we could talk about filling in at catcher, I'd be super interested in moving prospect capital to fill in one of those two things. That's the tough part is what are they going to do with, with the catching situation? I don't know. You and me both sounds like are on the same page there. I, I don't, I, and I don't want to kill our guys. I'm really trying not to do that as much anymore. I, I'll do it during the regular season. And I don't know. Is, is Kevin Newman still on the, is still on the roster? I don't know. I don't think he is, but still um, available. Still yeah, available. still available. I wonder why I, I just, I, I, um, uh, you know, they, they put out the, the Reds did a little cute little thing on social media day. I don't know if you've seen it, but they put like a fake lineup card out and uh, they were they were trying to be funny or whatever. And I almost commented on it. No, Kevin Newman. No, no problem with me. Um, so 
anyway, back to my point here to you two is that, listen, we can't, all I'm saying is, is I'm all for the prospect game. I'm not naive to it. I, it all comes down to what's a fair deal. There's risk reward in all of this. I do believe in positive momentum though, guys, like I do believe in that. And, and, and you can say whatever you want, but if you go out and get a cease and I, and, and you could say it's a pipe dream. I see like Evans, obviously said, it's not a pipe dream. Like if you believe, put it this way, if you believe that this, that this organization has as many prospects that we believe in as we do, they're not all going to play for the Cincinnati Reds in the big leagues. It's, True. it's literally impossible. It's literally impossible. There's not enough spots on the roster to play. This isn't a football team. There's not 22 people that get to go out there uh, on both sides of the ball and playing the same game. So ha having said that, then at some point, I think we all can agree that, and I'm going to put my full faith in Nick Crawl until he just burns my, burns my ass. But if he believes that, hey, I want to keep building this momentum, and Dylan Cease is going to do that. I mean, you can say whatever you want. He would be arguably, oh, he's, a, he's the opening day starter. Day one. And that's not a simple thing to go find. And I love Hunter Green as much as anybody, guys. Maybe I don't. But hey, there's not a whole like if, if, let me let me say if 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 we send Hunter Green to another organization, I can tell you right now, they ain't gonna be on the message boards jumping for joy, acting like they, acting like you know they got they got Dylan Cease is what I'm getting after. So I'm just saying, like you can shake your head, you guys can cry. We'll see. I hope I hope I'm wrong, and I hope Hunter Green goes out and shoves and he and he but. He hasn't struck 200 guys out for three straight years. He's not been a part of the Cy Young conversation. I know that. So let's not sit here and downplay what Dylan Cease can be, is all I'm saying. I would be one billion times more excited if the Reds acquired Hunter Green with five years of control than Dylan Cease for two years of control. And you're the that, and, and that's yes. fine, but that's that's the same mouth that also told me that Will Myers was going to have a higher uh, a, yeah. a higher thing than than Spencer Steer. Like you you know what I'm saying? Like it's not it's not a guarantee, or else we would all just go out and figure out exactly who it is. I'm just painting the picture, the full breath picture here. That hey, let's not downplay what Dylan Cease can be. That's all. Hey, I I, I think. Two things. If it was three years of control for Cease and not two, I think I'd feel different at, uh, about it. And there's just enough from 2023 from Cease that makes you just question whether or not he is top of the line starter 2024 and going forward, right? I mean, obviously, 21-22 were like out of control good. What was it last year that made you think that? Just well, I mean, if just if you look at, if you look at his like baseball savant page, seeing expected ERA go down. like almost everything went down and he some had capacity. two really really bad starts really really bad starts and listen I'm not suggesting that, that it's, <laughs> it, it uh, well it does count but I would ask you Sully uh as a golf guy would you rather your year to where would you rather your year where you're top five in two of the majors and you have a chance to win two majors and then just miss the cut in the other two or would you rather go out in all four majors and finish top 20 uh, you get that's my point. Like, I get it. You're getting get a top, you're getting a top line guy. There's only a handful of these guys in Major League Baseball. He is one of those that I would argue that if it came down to a one game situation, he's on the short list of people that you would want. And this is where I have to see. I have to throw my hands up and seed like to the scouts. Like I can't tell you why his 23 was different than 22, right? And right. did the red? If is there something that explains that? Probably. I, I, 
that they would know much better than we would, right? About whether or not there's a, an arm problem of any kind or a technique change. All that sure. stuff is way, 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 way above my pay grade. So that's the part where I would throw my hands up. But it's just enough to say, man, I, I don't know. If you, if you if you give me 2022 Dylan Seas, go look at that baseball savant page. There's a lot of red there, a lot of red in almost every category. And like he just ends up being kind of pedestrian in a lot of categories. I mean, his K rate is still really good, whiff rate really good. But walk rate, expected ERA, all that stuff just gets kind of, kind of, it's not shut down. Uh, you know, his 2023 was not shut down. That doesn't mean 2024 is not going to be shut down. Hunter Green's 2023 was not shut down. I think he's very likely, he's much, he's more, he's likely to improve upon that in 2024. So I don't know. There's no sure things in baseball, especially with pitching. And uh, that's just where I get apprehensive. But at the same time, if Dylan Cease was on the Reds starting next year, I'd be pretty freaking excited. Yeah. And, the, and the last thing I'll say about Cease and the reason that I've, I, I'm not saying I, I'm all in on it, okay, I am just pushing back a little bit on everybody that's acting like Cease. Oh, no, we don't even want this. The guy's throwing a ton of innings, too. Like yeah. He has consistently proven that he can go and throw. There's not one single person that's going to start Major League Baseball on this roster next year as a starting pitcher for this franchise that you could say that about. Not a single one of them. Yeah, that's that's not, that that kind of matters. Yeah, no, his durability absolutely is, is his best quality. It's better than his numbers for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, like, Dallas he's had an ERA of zero point two four, better than Hunter Green pitching in a much more pitcher friendly ballpark. And the fielding independent pitching for Hunter Green was significantly better than Dylan Cease last year, and Hunter Green's three years younger. So, I again, I I think there's there's risk with Cease. I think Cease would be an incredible addition, but it's, we're not talking about. Would he be a great addition? We're talking about is he worth trading a substantial amount of your prospects for? It's not is he is he really nice? Would be great for the Reds? Yes, no question, he'd be great for the Reds. But this is a guy you're making a trade that significantly hurts your farm system. And it the 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 biggest problem is going to be it's a the baseball trade values website. As much as I love it, isn't going to work here because you're bidding up against another almost yeah. every team that has any kind of prospect capital is going to want this dude and you have to beat their offer right whether or not it's fair isn't same with glass now right i mean you could easily make a baseball trade values trade that i would do in a heartbeat for glass now i mean there's 10 guys in that kind of surplus range that i would make that trade immediately but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the other team is looking for so if by accounts from what i've heard and i know some stuff trickled out as well it'd be collier arroyo and an arm at least one arm to, and when i hear that i think petty right and that is just right on that line of making me wince like like kirby just did like well there it, was well there was a report today that it yeah. was petty and louder and not not one or the other that's where that was their I, ask right I, that I was can, yeah. i can be maybe talked into what you said as much as that hurts, I can I can talk be talked into. I can see why reasonable people are for that. Louder and petty plus those two. That's where I go. That this is too much. This is too much risk, and it's absolute. You know, we talk about the risk of not acquiring a starting pitcher. The risk of 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 making that big of a trade, I think, is too much. Because like if it's Arroyo, Collier, Richardson, and Aguilar. I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. But there's a reason that's why it's not the trade. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's gonna burn a little bit. I and the only I'd, other thing, I do Phillips too. I think I would. I, I would. I think I would trade Phillips before yeah. Petty. Um. Yeah, Marine Tough saying the window is short. Listen, I I don't want to make it sound like I'm the guy that screams and 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 st stands on top of the chair and screams and yells and says this this franchise isn't trying to win. Solly doesn't need that in his life at all. Trust me. Thank you, Noel um, Brown. 
Yeah. So so anyways, my my main point is is that I I do think that when you have some momentum, it would be nice to capitalize on that momentum and it and I, and I'm all for making sure you protect yourself from giving away the farm by all means, but at the same time if you're going if you're going to convince me that I could get a that I could give away an arroyo and I could give away uh whether maybe it's even a collier i don't know but point is is you you can give away one of those guys with either or petty or louder um i would say and i don't know what you can get back from jonathan india who knows but there's a small chance where you can convince yourself giving away some other pieces that 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 might replenish those guys and you feel okay about it and you know you're never going to have a perfect formula here folks but i i just say and i continue to say i think sometimes People get a little ahead of themselves when they act like some of these guys aren't worth it or this guy isn't good. Dylan Cease is damn good. Let's not sit here and pick him apart. You guys want to tell me, oh, you want to, you, you know, in the chat here, you guys want innings? Let's just bring back Weaver. I mean, give me a damn break. You want to why some people hate your guys' guts for being prospect huggers? Because you say shit like that. You know, you're sitting here telling me that, oh, if you want innings eaters, just bring back Weaver. We're talking about Dylan Cease and you decided to want to put weaver in the same conversation as him now as a weaver stand by the way a guy that kept telling you at least he throws five innings a game doesn't go out there like i don't know connor overton who got hurt and then you got guys like i don't know do you remember cessna i know you probably don't remember him but he is long gone he couldn't throw more than one inning and oh by the way we got a guy like connor phillips i don't even he and again i'm not trying to crush him but we, we went out there with the season on the line and he and he and what how'd he do he didn't get one single out through through 12 straight guys and oh might i remind you hunter green who is young as well i just want to remind everybody we went up to cleveland and i think he gave up like seven runs in four innings so let's not see let's just not sit here and downplay all these other guys and act like oh look what we got in our farm system we, we until they're up here until listen if we, dylan cease was on the cincinnati reds all this last thing i want to say we would marvel at this guy and we would act like this guy we talk about him for the next 20 years about how great dylan cease was coming up through our through our farm system so i'm not saying you give away the farm for him but i don't want the slander in here acting like he's just terrible which no, solly wasn't saying that i'm talking about <laughs> the like, chat. who said that <laughs> no one said that <laughs> i don't know guys got some stands in the stands in the chat that aren't very happy about my dylan cease take all right let's get to the silly hot board the Sully official hot board presented by DSC Commodities. I hope you are okay with being sponsored by. No, DSC I have a rival sponsor in the. Uh, in the, the I bet you do. <laughs> in that industry, yeah, this is bad for me. DSC is a leader in renewable energy, biofuel yeah. production, specializing in used cocoa collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. All right, Sully. So, just want to go in order here, or what do we want so to do here? We can, yeah. There's not; these are not in any particular order. These I was in your guys' chat last night, just blowing you up on like talk about this guy. We got to add this guy. These are this is just the you know guys that I think are what I rather sign Otani and Jordan Montgomery and all these guys of like Bellinger, of course. But I'm I'm eliminating some names from the realm of possibility. Some of these are maybe on the stretch edge of possibility, right? I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez there that'd be the biggest contract free agent contract the Reds have ever given out, but never cannot imagine again like i said earlier i cannot imagine a better a uh you know a better time to actually do that right i believe you put up there these are the mlb trade rumors free agent projections yes. which are, i i use the fan graphs one which have been a little low on most of, of what's gone through 
so far. But again, that, at least on the Reds ones, that's probably you know the, the GABP effect of needing to overpay guys to get them to sign one early to come to and uh, two to get them to, to come to Cincinnati. But guys that I think would make the Reds a lot better. I think if you sign in Border Rodriguez, which sounds like it might be out the window by the time we got to this part of the show, uh, this was part of a a grand scheme I had of uh, then if you sign Rodriguez, you have four you know decent to very good lefties in your six to seven man rotation, which is probably too many, and that then makes it possible to move somebody like Andrew Abbott in a deal for Tyler Glass now and Randy Rosarina if he's available, right? That was a, a grand scheme play of. Uh, all of a sudden, one of your young lefties, Williamson or, or Abbott, and Abbott carries a lot more trade value, um, becomes, you know, basically if you're subbing in four years of Rodriguez for six years of Abbott, plus getting a year of glass now and three years of an outfielder like a Rosarina, that gets really interesting to me. It'll take some more prospects to get that deal done. But that was kind of the grand scheme I had uh, with that one. Lugo, I think it's uh, kind of in the same realm of, of, of Nick Martinez of just adding Another, again, not top of the rotation arm, but another guy that gets people out, and there's still a lot of innings the Reds need to replace from uh, guys that put up very, very, very bad performances in those innings and guys that are no longer with the team. Some coming in, some of those guys might be the same guy. Uh, that's not a Luke Weaver joke, um, but uh, I think he makes the team better. And and I've I I, I we we beat Stroman up pretty bad when uh, in August at, at at Wrigley, and I remember thinking like, oh, that guy looks toast, and. I've come back around on Stroman. I know that he was dealing with some blisters and some injuries around that time, and I think his his batted ball profile would do uh, really well in Great American Ballpark. And uh, I, get, I think Waka fits in that same general realm of like, hey, you add any of those. Uh, Rodriguez is a different level than the other three, and I think if you add any of those other ones, you just get a lot better through uh, through depth in that area. So those are the pitching guys. Uh, I welcome any comments on any of those. I, I'm the only one that I'm, uh, I, I, and this is all obviously speculation. I, there's nothing, I, I don't really love Marcus Stroman to a certain extent and largely just based off the fact that the way the year ended and I get, I get, I get, you're trying to take the full breadth of picture and, uh, um, maybe it's the fact that he wore a Cubs uniform too, but, and I know that shouldn't matter, but that makes sometimes, it better for me, right? That, you think it, so? Yeah. No, I, it makes it better. That would hurt them a little bit more. It could, it could, um, and I, and again, maybe I'm being too speculative on the fact that Stroman just reminds me of a. Um, <laughs> well, I shouldn't Stroman, say this on the internet, but Amir Garrett ish. You know, it's like okay, this guy's great if it's going well, but as soon as it starts going bad, it's like I, this guy just kind of irritates the shit out of me because it's the way he acts. But that's your number there. Yeah, I mean, it, his projections for next year: are seven and a half strikeouts per nine, almost three uh, three walks per nine, um, and he had a fifty-seven percent ground ball rate this past year, right? So he's projected for two point six wins above replacement on Fangraphs for this coming year. Like that's that's a top three pitcher on the Reds at least at minimum, uh, and that makes the Reds a lot better. That again, like all these things, just make the Reds better. I really do think. Um, sure, he might get lit up, but. Uh, you know, his kind of peripherals check out to me and I, I'd, I'd fall in love with that ground ball, right? It's, you know, uh, we're the Reds should obviously be looking for guys like that. So I don't think they're done in pitching. I think they've said they're not done in pitching and, uh, I would be thrilled to see either of those guys come across the bottom line to say that the Reds had signed him. I'm more passionate about the hitting side. If, if we want to get into any of those, uh, hold on just a second here. Uh Oh, what do you got? Is there breaking news? I don't know. Man, this always happens. We're doing something. No way. Is it official? 
No, what? it's uh, source Eduardo Rodriguez will be signing with the Cincinnati Reds or the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, God, just, come just, on. Just waiting on the player's decision. Man, you know, Mike that Rodriguez, doesn't do anything for us. You just really wanted to F up my podcast tomorrow. That's what <laughs> this guy did. He's like, you know what? I'm going to wreck his podcast. It's going to sound terrible. It's going to be all over the place. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate you. Oh, God, that got me hyped there for a second. All right. I think he's official. I don't know, man. The, the, Do you think the Reds would overpay instead of uh, you have four for 82? Is there a chance they overpay um, just based off the fact that they have they're spending nothing right now on like a two sure. year on a two year deal? Like I would be more open to that. I think we've all agreed that, you know, the, the gone are the days of trying to sign a six year deal with a starting pitcher in Cincinnati um, for a significant amount of money. But um what what Nick? What would you think that that deal would have to look like to get Rodriguez to want to come to Great American Ballpark? Well, I mean, he's thirty, so I mean, he's still getting into his mid thirties, so that's a pretty good chunk of change. He's probably conceding it's unlikely he gets another big contract. So I don't know if the like GABP bump is that huge for them, but I, I would be all for a deal like that. I mean, I, I don't think twenty million dollars a year for four is that huge of a risk. This is a guy that does have a pretty good track record, at least when he's been on the mound. It's been a little flaky things with them uh, um, having to leave for some personal issues. I don't want to get into all that, but that is a part of the story when you are talking about spending, you know, close to a uh, hundred million on a guy. But um, I mean, of all the pitchers, this is the guy that I think is by far the best of the realistic group of pitchers that the Reds could be looking at. So, uh, yeah, if they could find a way to make this happen, I would very much be all for it you're not giving up any prospects i mean that, that's where you take the whole risk of you know signing him in four years you're not I'd giving be, any prospects away yeah i'd be absolutely stunned though if his deal was not very similar to the one he had with detroit with like a, a it, it might be a five-year deal with a two-year yeah. opt-out right i i i could see very very easily that uh you know it, that he would want to redo re go back down that path because uh it's going to get him paid potentially you know that those those opt out those are so valuable if he gets hurt they're valuable to the player if you get hurt or if you really struggle you can lock a team in for an extra 60 million bucks that they don't really want to pay you and if you do great then you can go retest the market again it's it's riskier on the red side but that's the kind of stuff that they're probably going to have to do uh, to get somebody like that and i personally would have no problem with that sully i mean i don't either i mean yeah it's against that our money Honestly, I mean, if he gets if he pitches two years and he's really good, well, you just got two years. Have a nice day. You're going to get a qualifying offer pick for him back, so you're not going to be left empty-handed. And I'll go ahead and say it: the Reds just did that with a player. They had him come for two years. He played really well. He opted out, and I think the Reds are probably better off for not signing him. And the Reds actually got South Stewart out of oh. it, so they had this exact scenario happen of a four-year contract, and it ended up working. I think beautifully for the reds other than the 2021 team not making the playoffs well but the flip side of that is the other guy that they signed to that Mike deal as well Mustakis was, was uh you had to ride that contract well, my, out right? Mustakis didn't have the opt-outs i'm saying of the, the guy that they no he didn't i don't I don't, I don't think he had opt-outs well if he did he just certainly didn't use it for yeah, good reason he, exactly he didn't need to. he didn't need to and that's the head. point Stolly makes, though. Like, that's the thing that's I and, and, and listen, it's us. I don't everyone always gets leverage. And it's like almost it seems like the the players always find a way to seem like they have unbelievable deals. And these guaranteed contracts in and of themselves are so crazy to me in Major League Baseball. Uh, 
I and I, I don't know if it'll ever switch, but man, I would be I would be so apprehensive to do the whole opt out thing all the time because you're 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 such at a loss, right? Like you're taking a risk on having a guy for four years, and if he turns out like Mike Mustakas, you're paying the guy no matter what. But if he turns out like Castellanos, like you had said, then at that point it doesn't matter. You're not going to get him anymore. He leaves. He moves on. You could you could argue, Nick, yes, that we shouldn't have signed him, and that's perfectly fine. But I'm saying. You know, when you're sitting at the negotiation table, I would I would love to sit in those and just hear like, is that really the deal breaker? I guess it is. I mean, it it but it's like it should be uh it has to be a, a deal breaker, player option versus team option. That must be a huge thing. It should be a huge thing, but it's it's kind of wild how that could be literally the turning point between getting a deal done or not, I guess. Let me yeah, I, I don't think he had the opt out. I don't know why in my head that he did. Uh, so um Mistakis, apologies for that. No, that's okay. Think about it this way, though. Okay, so ceases two years of control. We're, we're thinking Eduardo Rodriguez probably opt out after two years, right? I mean, that's pretty much the same thing, and you're not giving up prospects. Like, I would rather go light $50 million on fire than get rid of the four players the, the rest want for Dylan Cease. Like, those players are worth a lot of money in terms of their, their value because they're going to be, you know, assuming one of them makes it to the major leagues, they're going to be making dirt cheap money basically nothing for you know three four years so um and this is exciting I, yeah. you do say that but i just want to again not trying to be the, the the devil's advocate in the room but dylan cease doesn't cost a whole lot of money either and that also could allow you to go out and get pieces that you might think that you need that you don't sort foresee coming um that might that might allow you to go th do something that you don't you know there's there's a little domino effect here i know it sounds like i'm a dylan c stand here but I'm also not going to sit here. I, 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 I'll say this. I think Dylan Cease is a better pitcher than Rodriguez, but. Not last year. Correct. I, I think going forward, I think I would, I, in a vacuum, I'd rather have Cease, but would I rather have Rodriguez, Petty, uh, Collier, Arroyo, and, and less money, or Cease? And my, I, that's an easy one for me, right? That's why Red should not be in a hurry to trade for Dylan Cease unless there's. Uh, Anyways, we get to we get to some bats. Yeah, that's yeah. a big deal. I feel like this is, I I, I feel like uh, a lot of a fair amount of Reds fans think the Reds are like set on the uh, on the play on the position player. Um, you know, even depth and starting wise, I think that there's some moves to be made here. And, and number one on my list, I don't know if he's number one on my list. I'm really interested in Mitch Carver. I think that he fills a huge, a pretty nice void for the Reds. I think he can be, he's definitely a DH against left-handers. Uh, he can DH, you know, maybe 50% of the time versus right-handers and maybe catch 20% of the time. He, that dude hits the baseball. He hits it really freaking hard. And he, uh, I love Jorge Soler as well. Nick, I know you really love Jorge Soler. I just can't picture him as anything other than a DH. And then I really don't love the idea of paying him Probably 18 million a year. I know it says three for 45, but I'm guessing he is. Uh, I think he's getting three for 54, probably. And I, I stopped falling in love with that because I don't, I think you can have a Jorge Soler play a little bit of outfield if you pick it at anywhere, everywhere else in the diamond. And the Reds just have too many holes, uh, it, you know, in their defense to, to put a guy like Soler in the field. So Garver should be cheaper and he accomplishes close to what you would get out of uh, Solaire's bat. I'm curious your reaction to that. Nick, go ahead. Yeah, I... Uh, Solaire played, I think, 50-something games in the outfield, so I... This is where you have to... You, you 
talking earlier about how you have to scout. You have to know, can do you think he can play right field in Great American Ballpark better, you know, at a more reasonable level than he did at whatever the Marlins ballpark's called? Because that's a much different stadium, obviously. And you're playing road games, like, half the time. But, you know, 82 games at Great American Ballpark versus 82 games in Miami is quite a bit different. Um, I look at the the Candelario projection, to me, it was just wild. That, that, that's that huge. Was, I, Four I, for I, 70, yeah. I had to read that like six times. That's where I'm like, give me Solaire. When you're talking, you know, you know Solaire versus like Guriel Jr., yeah, it, it, I, Guriel Jr. probably makes more sense to me, at least. Yes. He can, because he's going to give you around league average defense, right? And uh, he can hit left handers. He played plenty against right handers. Um, I, I, I think Guriel makes a ton of sense. I, I think it, I'm interested in Michael A. Taylor too. Uh, I think a a guy that he hits lefties, really, really good defender in center field, like elite defender in center field. Um, I, I'm 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 nervous. I, I think TJ Friedel has done a great job against left-handers. I'm nervous about running that back, and I'm nervous about running him out there 150 plus games. I think um I, I'm just worried about the Reds depth as it stands right now against left-handed pitching. Because right now you're starting probably Steer, Friedel, and Fairchild in the outfield. And I think either Taylor, I think Gary L would be my choice out of that, but I think Taylor helps you get to where you would uh, a, a very good spot. I mean, you can play Friedel in one of the corner outfield spots and play Taylor in center against left-handed pitching. That's a really good outfield. Um, and I don't know, but I, I just would, again, these are all guys that if, if I saw that tick across the bottom, I'd be pretty excited. I threw Bader in there as like, I, I, that's still a possibility. I think, I mean, I know he did not have a good run with the reds, but I think he accomplishes a lot of the same stuff that Michael A. Taylor does. I'd rather have Taylor, but pretty similar profiles. And again, I, I want one more outfielder that can absolutely pick it. Cause the reds have one good outfielder right now. I would say Ken Rosenthal reds and diamondbacks are finalists for free agent left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez sources. Tell me and C Trent. Tell them both at the same time. Ken and C. Trent. Diamondbacks first mentioned by uh, John Morassi. I hope I say Morassi right. But um, well, here's Trace the thing, guys. Guy we're doing uh, four straight nights of a show if this yeah. keeps up. I, I, listen, I will say this about Sully's list right there. I would be shocked if if uh, if the Reds did not get one of those. I really would. Um, yeah. I think they're in a position where the Reds feel the same way that what Sully just mentioned. I've said that a lot. Um, I really am more or less concerned about what this what this lineup looks like against left-handed pitching because it made me puke already last year and that was with a TJ Friedel that really quite frankly um played as about as well as you could have hoped. I I'm not and I don't I hate putting ceilings on guys. I really do. I don't think it's fair to maybe put a ceiling on TJ Friedel, but if you if you if you put me up against the wall and you said you had to tell me what what you think about TJ Friedel, I'd say, well, I th- think that's about the ceiling of what we got. And that's great. If he plays that as if he plays that well again, by all means, I'll take TJ Friedel in center field every single day if he if he's able to replicate. The question is, is can he? And then you and then I've you know you look in the outfield again and you have Spencer Steer, who I love Spencer. I think he's a team first guy. He's everything that you could ask for, but he's not he's not much of an outfielder. And and if you and if you asked him behind closed doors, I think he probably would tell you that. He's mentioned how many times, Nick, that his favorite position or the most one he's most comfortable with is second base of all places. Um, so I'm with I'm with Sully in the fact that defensively, I'd love to see this team get a lot better. But uh, the the I guess the only thing I have left to mention with this list is Solir. Um, 
I would be willing to forego maybe the opportunity of him being maybe a little bit of a a little bit of a um a detriment in right field, perhaps. Maybe. We don't know that for sure, but maybe just off his bat. Like I I, I think there's a chance that guy. More breaking news. What we got source from Mike Rodriguez sourced Jamer Candelario and the Cincinnati Reds have had strong discussions about getting a deal done. A deal is not finalized, but they're among the finalists to sign him. All right, that's not really breaking, but that's that's nice. I'm a big Candelario guy, man. This I, is fun. I, this is fun. This is really fun. I've been a Candelario guy since like August of last year. I just, I've fallen in love again. I'm back to like, do we, the Reds need more depth that can play defense. Like they really do. Um, I'm a little nervous about CES at first base. I think uh, Candelario can be a defensive replacement there. He can play third base uh, a fair amount. I, I don't, especially with Marte coming off, you know, not being able to be stretched out into the, uh, into the winter league and get it, you know, 162 games in this year. I'm, I just would worry about running him out at age 22 for 162 games. That seems unlikely. He's going to get plenty of at bats. There's a lot of at bats to fill. This probably means India does get moved if they sign somebody like Candelario, but um, I steer is a, 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 has good functionality on defense, but I, just, I hate his defense. It is bad in a lot of different places and the metrics show that. And, Gosh, Candelario just fills so many spots for you. Lefties and righties can DH and can pick it at multiple spots. Uh, and he just costs money. I hope it's not four for 70. I mean, Fangraphs had him at three years for 36. I'm guessing it's probably, <laughs> I'm guessing it's three years, 42, probably closer. I, I don't think it's four for 70. I, I, I don't see that valuation anywhere else other than trade rumors. That seems kind of outrageous. Could be wrong. And MLB trade rumors is uh, Mr. Mr. Candelario's. Uh, they're carrying His the water. <laughs> yeah, but like I think, good, yeah, good I, I I think this like if if they get Rodriguez, uh, I think that changes the conversation around some of the other guys, right? I mean, I think you can cross Hernandez off the list and probably Solaire, right? I mean, I think it just yeah, we we're we'd be getting to that point where we start talking about being up against the cap of how much money they're gonna spend. I think they could spend more, but. Um, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be, I would be stunned if they got more than three guys off of this list. Let's, let's say that I, I'm, I know they're going to get at least one off this. I don't say I know. I'd be stunned if they didn't get one. And I would guess they get two names off of this list. I'm hoping for three. Do you think they believe in, uh, and I know the chat and people that listen to this podcast might swerve and take their car off a ditch. But when I say this, um, do, do you think that there's, any life to Barrero, I, I, and I know, and I know that 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 uh, that's tough for some people. But I'm not giving up on him, and I also wonder if there's any kind of uh, if there's any kind of value you can get in return for a guy like Barrero, and 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 even even Stuart Fairchild, because I think there's a little life with Stuart Fairchild. I'm not just saying that because Nick, uh, that's that's Nick's guy per se, but I genuinely think sometimes we, you know, guys can get better. I'll just leave it at that. Guys can get better. I mean, how many times did you think TJ Friedel was going to come in and play the way he played is what I'm getting at to a small extent here. I got bad, uh, bad breaking news now from Gordon Wittenmeyer. Uh, report that the Reds are one of the finalists for free agent pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez is not true. Okay. So well. what an emo- whoever listens to this tomorrow is going to see our emotional ride through through this so, night on Reds Twitter. So wait, wait, so Solly, the kid Rosenthal has C. Tritt as part of this. We have Red's beat writers giving opposite takes. And this is kind of fun, too. Which, listen, I've read some of Gordon Wittenmeyer's, uh, you know, oh. expectations for next year. I'm going to probably side with C. Tritt on this, but uh, I'm surprised for him to say that definitively that uh, yeah. he's not in the hunt. 
You know what I would love for Netflix to do? Yeah, and, and I'm being serious. They should follow around these 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 front offices and just do a whole thing on just the off season and the way that it goes because there's no doubt in my mind that they're that Wittenmeyer is being used as a as a pawn right now. I don't know if he knows that. I don't know if he knows that, but one of them is being used as a pawn. And and also, I will tell you right now, uh for those that are wondering about Martinez and I don't say many things as a factual way. And no, David Bell didn't just tell me straight to my face. And no, uh, Meter didn't tell me straight to my face. But I'm a guy that pays attention when people talk uh, about things that I'm interested in. And I try to get a tell. They brought him in to be a reliever, folks. Uh, I, they, they told him they would, they would, they pulled the whole like, uh, you know, hey, we, 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 th- we seen what you were able to do from a starting pitch, pitching perspective, et cetera, et cetera. But the Reds, I'm telling you, have no intention of putting that guy in the starting rotation. And and if they do, it's going to be off of emergency. I really do believe that. Really? I, I I believe that wholeheartedly because of the way they both talked. I know David Bell. The first thing out of his mouth was saying, "You know what? He's a really big guy. He can help us in the pen. And you know what? He might be able to start for us as well, depending on how things fall." That is a man that has one thing on his mind, and that is to put him in the bullpen. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm just saying for those that are screaming and yelling about how they think Martinez is the only starting pitching help they might get. That will not be true. I'll take that to. Uh, if I'm wrong on that, I'll, uh, I'll I'll serve a suspension. This is how we do it on our show. We do uh, apology bets. So I'll I'll do an apology bet with you. I'll bet that Please Nick do. Martinez is in the opening day or opening rotation. This he's in the opening five rotation. I would love say. that. Love whoever's that. wrong has to apologize. Fair enough. I'll do how that. How many do we, do we have? Like a an injury? Like if there's three injuries, like the bets nullified. I mean, just eye test, right? I mean, that's you can, the only chance he's got. Yeah. But we'll see. I don't I, I think he'll be there. I think well Nick Ladolo's not gonna be healthy. We already know that. <laughs> I'm not giving up on the dolo. I've seen way too I'm not many giving people. up, no, but he's I know. not gonna be I, the I'm opening the rotation. You. you don't think he will? Uh the the the, the uh interview he did with Mo Hager oh. made it made it sound pretty much like it's highly unlikely he's in the opening day rotation. Both Rosenthal and Citran are both issuing a correction that they are not a finalist for Rodriguez. Oh. What a fun ride that was. Woo! <laughs> Candelario, though, still in the sweepstakes. <laughs> how did? Oh God, I want a story about how that happened. How did both Rosenthal and C. Trent get told that he was a finalist? Because at, uh, somebody that didn't get the memo, Solly, in the front office of the Reds, told those guys, or somebody that sourced for the Reds told those guys, because they actually are in the running. And the, the one of the boss men got a hold of that and said, "What the." are we doing we don't want anyone else knowing this we're trying to pull behind the scenes negotiations of all these different things the last thing we want go call your boys up and you tell them that that's not the case that's what happened Mm. dang all right so i think it's still on i'm just gonna tell you go get mitch carver how about that he won't cost you that much you will not regret having that bat on your team i i promise you that anybody i'm missing I like the the Mitch Garver one was fascinating because I did not even like, consider the the possibility of him, and you brought that up, and I'm like, well, you know, his bat was good enough to DH for the World Champions, uh, so obviously his bat plays, and he can play catcher. You know, I mean, I don't know how many games he could legitimately play catcher, but he gives you some protection there. Uh, definitely a fascinating, and he hits. I think he hits. Does he hit left-handed pitching really well? He does. Yeah, so he, he does. He checks a lot of boxes. I, I mean, 
the, the only the only downside is like it kind of creates a little bit of a Spencer, Spencer Steer problem because I want to DH Steer a lot next year. Um, but again, that's 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 in the category of good problems, right? I think adding a lot of these bats makes gives you a lot of good problems. Um, and uh, there's what I like about what the Reds have going. There's only a couple spots where they don't have any depth. Like that's why I'm in. That's why we're all interested in the right-handed outfielding outfielder, right? Is there's no depth right now against left-handed pitching uh, in the outfield, but almost any injury you can sustain right now as the as the roster you know is set right. If, if Marte gets hurt, Ellie slides over to third. McLean moves over to short, and India plays second base. Uh, if CES gets hurt, Steer goes to first base. Uh, there's just so much stuff that they can cover off on right now, um, which is I mean we saw how much they got ravaged by injuries last year. I I still wouldn't mind a little bit more depth in this, even if it makes an uncomfortable like benching for. Uh, two to three times a week for like a, a Gary L signing or something like that. I still just want want the depth. Uh, Yankees and Padres Soto Trent Grisham to the Yankees now complete Joel Sherman. So we're really just rolling right along with all the uh, the breaking news tonight. Although I care much more about Michael Waka than who the Yankees are getting. Um, let's. I want. I want to ask each of you guys this. Let's take Eduardo Rodriguez out in a different category. Trace of Lugo, Stroman, Waka. Who do you think is the best at, at that best value? Or the best you, you think would be the best? I mean, listen, it all comes down. It's not our money, right? Like, that's the that's the thing. And that's the the only, when we say it's not our money, the only thing I'm apprehensive of always doing is saying, okay, are they willing to spend that money elsewhere if we were to need it, in it but I've already spent it type thing? Or is this one of those situations where, Let's face it, uh, ownership groups are human, and they probably can become emotional too. And it wouldn't surprise me if you're able to convince an ownership group to spend more money at certain times versus others. And I'm not trying to play some crazy you know, conspiracy theory here, but just off the heels of Reds Fest during the holiday season, I, maybe you could convince me it's a little bit of a better time perhaps to go to the piggy bank and ask uh, old daddy for some more bucks. I don't know. But if you're asking me of those guys, um, I guess I would like Lugo. I mean, I, I, Rodriguez, obviously it sounds like he's not going to be a part of it, but um, I would say Lugo, and but that's mostly just based off of... Uh, process of elimination of the others i guess stroman lugo waka for me but i would still be quite excited to have waka wow, I'm, I'm waka number one i, I feel really? like waka's i feel like waka's like very undervalued like he's put together like two really good years i, I know his peripherals are, aren't maybe as dazzling but the fact that he's been able to you know two straight years they made over 23 and 24 starts he's made a pretty substantial amount of starts at least in today's game um i, I feel like he's undervalued especially at like what that projection comes in uh, the one thing i really like about stroman at least just from just looking at just the projection and take it for whatever it's worth the two years is what really makes it attractive to me i love that you could i'd rather the reds pay a couple million dollars extra for a, one less year or two less years or whatever um to, to save those years because the years are always the thing that 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 me the most with these deals all right so let's go to the uh let's go to the offensive players let's um 
Let's take out Teoscar Hernandez because he feels like he's maybe in a class of his own. Sully, pick one player other than Teoscar Hernandez. Who's the one you would take if it was up to you? It's, oh, you're making me choose. Oh, gosh, that's hard. Choose between family, right? I know. It's (laughs) Guriel, Candelario, or Garver. Um, And I think, again, I'm, I'm a big defense guy. And it's probably Gary L, I think, among okay. that. Okay. I, uh, I don't know. I it's it it fills the biggest need, right? I think Candelario and Garver are are better players and maybe give you more war, if you will, but uh it fills a need. Oh, I don't know. I love Candelario though. I might be I might be the biggest Candelario fan, and I'm not even positive why. <laughs> you're just so deep into it at this point it, it just it, it, it's not sexy like it, nothing of what he does is sexy but like you just need like the versatility is really yeah. valuable it really really is and um i again the righty and lefty splits are almost even and good defense that's just a really high floor player and uh just a good depth piece to have on your team i think the best value um People might kill me for this one too. I think the best value is going Harrison to be, is going to be Harrison Bader. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would. Um, because if anything, David Bell's proved that he likes platooning. I mean, and, and he believes in that. And there's not going to be a better value platoon player than Harrison Bader for the Cincinnati Reds, especially when you add in the idea or the opportunity to bring him in late in the game to be a defensive replacement. Um, and you're, and you're going to be spending significantly less money. And again, newsflash everybody that gets mad about it i'm also willing to go spend some of that extra money we're saving somewhere else to help us out so i'm 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 using some of the leverage here of saying it's a value i don't think that harrison bader to be clear is better than maybe even the rest of the list that's on here so yeah i i do think you know look we were excited about when harrison Bader came over i mean he made 34 plate appearances for the reds that was a incredibly small sample um, he also, we think was hurt. I mean, he was put on the IL. who knows if that was just a fan of my or not, but he was actually put on the injured list at the end of that. Um, I do think, I mean, like great American ballpark seems like a, a, a park where he could really hit in or really, really produce well. in as a guy that, that, that does have some pop, um, can play that elite defense. So I, I like Bader I'm riding with Solaire. Uh, I, I look at his expected stats against, uh, left-handed pitching it was the third best in baseball last year behind Acuna and uh, Mountcastle by 0.001 points. And then like the next one's like 25 points below. I just, I think that any of these players, like, like you're looking at here, there's going to be some risk with any of them. I feel like, and Slayer's not perfect. He, the defense, and I'm a big defense guy. I've preached that forever, but I just think the upside that he brings is a guy that could just absolutely mash completely change your entire like he's one player that you bring in he can completely change your entire lineup against left-handed pitching i think he's that that good that valuable i would run the risk with him i do i wouldn't go more than three years though three is about the three is is the max of them i would not go that fourth year um but man i would i would love to to get solaire yeah i Again, I, I would too. I just think a uh, a store brand Solaire is is Garver, right? And I, I'd rather have a little <laughs> bit of catching functionality there. I mean, dude, Garver was nine thirty eight OPS against lefties last year, five hundred on base percentage, uh, walking twenty two percent of the time against against left handed pitching. And I mean, the Reds were dead last in WAR last year in catching, right? And uh, 
I, they're going to ride it up back with with Tyler Stevenson, and I'm. Other people are more hopeful than I am that uh, he can be an offensive beast. I'm very confident he will not be a defensive beast, and I know Garver won't. But if you really want to play like the offensive catcher, DH guy, like it's not Stevenson, it's Garver. That that's my opinion. So you, I mean, to be clear, and I think it's an okay take. I'm not suggesting it's it's uh, this. When I say it, it might sound like I'm super super against it, but the fact that they already went out and they they signed Maley, um you're basically saying there's a chance where you just don't Stevenson's just gonna not play a whole lot. I I don't think they will do that. I think uh, it is. I'd be. I I think the Reds are better if he's maybe playing fifty percent of the time versus seventy percent of the time, right? Oh, you won't hear me complain about it. But Garver could also just be flat out insurance because he's good enough to just be a a DH. Correct. Right. I mean, like he like he's good enough to be a DH, especially maybe you know, somewhat of a platoon. Um, that may not a full platoon, but really you would bring him in against left in the pitching. So he has value in just that. And so you don't have to catch him. But if Tyler Stevenson, you get through spring training, you give Tyler Stevenson a month into next year, and there's just absolutely no progress whatsoever. He's a, I would view him more of an insurance policy than like a guy that for sure benches Tyler Stevenson, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. And look, again, that's into the scouting department as well of, of uh, there has to be a uh, Tyler can't be as bad as he was this past year, right? I, I really don't think he can. And I know he had flashes at times, but I mean, overall it was a almost negative one win season, which is uh, just really, really frustrating. Again, the, the defense, the defense at the catcher spot is, is really, really, really important. As long as they don't have robotic umpires, uh, I was hopeful that, that that would come into place in 2024 and, all of a sudden, Stevenson's value does go up if there's robotic umpires and there's no framing, uh, no runs lost due to framing, which he's one of the worst in baseball at that. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. It does not seem like that's going to happen, um, maybe for 25. Um, and all of a sudden, he becomes somewhat valuable. But I mean, it, it, you just got it. You can't, you can't not hit and not field. I mean, that's very obvious, but like that's what we're dealing with with Stevenson. At least it was last year. And you got to hit really freaking good to carry, you know, that that poor of a defensive performance behind the plate. Uh, two things really quickly. It wouldn't be a red season without uh, Nick Kirby championing the three catcher opportunity. Um, I know you so love that. I, That's what I'm saying. Like this yeah. is, this, this addresses that, right? It, but yeah. it gives you value past what Casale would have given you. Yeah, no doubt. And the, and the last thing is, is like, I, there's some folks saying, Hey, you know, the Bader thing. And they, and they reference back, obviously his time here. Um, I just think that's a that's a very short-sighted approach on looking at Harrison Bader. If Harrison Bader would have gotten hot for two weeks here, we would have been screaming and yelling, and I say we, but the fan base would have been screaming and yelling about how we need to go and get this guy again. And I get that some of just fandom, right? But then the other side of it is that if if we did the same thing to some other guys throughout this year, how would we feel about them? You know, I look at Will Benson. Will Benson was somebody who was terrible, uh, quite frankly, for for the first month he was here. Yes, he went down to AAA, came back, and you could argue he was the best player we had for a three-month stretch. Um, so, you know, you just I guess it's just caution to say, hey, when a guy has 30 at-bats for your organization, let's not just sit here and act like, you know, that you've seen enough, um, per se. So, and, and you know what? That's my biggest point with this Reds team moving forward is I think 
ultimately, at the end of it all, we can sit here and debate on who they should go and get, who they can't get, and why they shouldn't go get this guy, keep prospects, don't keep prospects. But it all comes down to whether or not these guys develop and they get better. We need Tyler Stevenson. If they're going to play him 50% of the time, and heaven forbid more, um, he's just he has to be better. I mean, there's no other way around it. And I hate to say this, and I don't mean to sound like I'm already out on the guy, but I guess I kind of am. I'm with Sully a little bit. I think I'm speaking for him slightly. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is that I just don't see him getting better behind the plate. Like you, he he is who he is behind the plate. No, there's not going to be a magic silver bullet. No magic pill he's going to take that makes him a, a better defensive catcher. I do genuinely agree that he could become better offensively. I don't think he can be that bad again. But that's my point. Is that that's the worry I have. I'm right there with Sully. Like, do you trust <laughs> do you trust Tyler Stevenson in the World Series when the guy when, when guys are on first and second in the seventh inning? And I think ultimately many people know that answer. And that's where like a, a fair amount of I feel like the, the second half of last year I was studying prospect lists and and teams that have depth at catcher and I I'm I'm willing to trade something of great value for a catcher of the future. Right. I, I think the red, I don't think that answer really is jumping off the page as being in the system right now. And I look at like what the Cardinals have going on behind the plate, what the Brewers have going on behind the plate. And it's just, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's just tough to spot like right. those, like spotting the Brewers six to seven wins just off the catcher position is a really tough thing to make up. It really is. It's a lot of wins. Yeah, I just I Garver doesn't I, address that, right? But I think it just helps fill that in just a little bit, just color, color between the lines, just a little bit. I just I I really hope Tyler Stevenson has a really good off season. Coming off an injury last year, you know, has the full off season to get to get his work in. Uh, man, if if he comes back and it just it's it, it is wild how how quickly in. And Stevenson just fell off. And it's a cautionary tale for everyone else in the Reds. Yeah. Roster right now. Um, and and just you know, just as quickly as Tyler Stevenson fell off, he could just as quickly get back on if if he has a good April, right? Yeah, I feel like a lot of Stevenson's early career, you know, success was driven by uh BAPIP luck. I mean, if you just look at it, they were just pretty unsustainable bat, uh, batting average on balls in play, which if we're looking at who's likely to come back on that front, I mean, Will Benson hits the sweet spot more than anyone else in the Reds lineup, and there's a good reason to support a high, above-average batting average on balls in play. But as much as I am a Benson fan, there's likely to be, there almost has to be some regression there. And honestly, and I'm not the like, I'm not like a stat cast, you know, religious stat cast follower. I think there's some noise that within it as well that you know doesn't fully describe you as a player. But next on that list might be McLean. Uh, as much as as I love McLean, like there just might be some regression in his offensive production just based on uh, a pretty pretty darn high uh, batting average on balls in play. I know no one wants to hear that uh, in this, but that's it's you know when somebody's hitting it, when somebody's grooving it, it never feels like it's going to end. But almost everyone comes back in some form or fashion with uh, their batting average on balls in play. Tyler Stevenson's twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three are just wild, and twenty twenty two is a very small sample. But he, he had a 318 expected weighted on base average in 2022 and a 135 weighted runs created plus. And then last year, it only went down to 314, dropped four points, and he went down to 85 WRC plus. So what you kind of hope with Stevens is that the truth is somewhere in the middle there. And if he's 
like a 105, 110 WRC plus guy, if he can get the defense up to even close to average, yep. he's a solid catcher. If he's, it's, if it's he's not, above 100 weighted runs created plus, I'm I'm good with Tyler Stevenson. It, it, you know, you know, he's going to give some of that back in defense, but for a catcher, that's good production. I, I can totally live with that. Um, you know, the only real pushback I have on the, the 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 catcher depth that we have right now, and 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 Maley's okay. But if it's almost like the perfect serviceable backup or the perfect serviceable person that would be behind Stevenson would be a great defensive catcher. I just I like Maley. I, I I think Maley fills a great role. I, I do. I think he a lot of what what is else is out there on the catching market is looks a lot like Maley, but on like it, it's a it's a tr- it's a different trade off. It's a much better defender. Like Maley's just slightly above average defender, much better, but truly cannot hit at all and. Luke can hit it, man. I mean, that dude, he, yeah, he hits the yeah, ball hard when he gets hot. I think, I think Maley is a perfect, I don't even want to call him backup catcher, like a perfect uh, 1B catcher. Um, I, I feel great about Maley in that spot. I just wish uh, we got more production out of it. And just for, to call, again, to, to finish that thought, uh, Matt McLean had a 385 batting average on balls in play last year. Uh, Noel V. Marte had 384, and Will Benson was 391. Like, yeah. You can you can you can bet that uh that those are gonna go down um at least a little bit. I think that's a fair bet. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I agree with that. I just at the end of the day, uh, the only concern I have, similar to college football, when you have two quarterbacks, you you might not have any. So I think you can you can have as many catchers uh as 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 possible. And it, it's gonna be a good thing in, in baseball. Mm. All right, uh, I guess you were four eighty. 480 oh that man was, that was the exact prediction right yeah i guess it will be trade rumors give it to him give it up it, it was 482 i think what did Fangraphs have that have erod at he was yeah, yeah. four years 76 mil wow yeah there i'd have done that it. in a heartbeat i yeah. would have done that in a freaking heartbeat yeah but again maybe oh maybe that deal doesn't happen for Cincinnati it's, it's hard to know it's know. really hard to it, know yeah, it's, what you've accepted that it's pure speculation I, yep you know. it's not as easy as uh us fans would like to make it uh make it seem unfortunately but bummer well Sully any other parting words of wisdom we've dragged you on here for almost an hour and a half extend yeah. no LV Marte do it yeah now. there it is do it now uh, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what incentives you need to build in. Um, extend no LV Marte. Do it now. I want. I listen. I I, I want McLean and Ellie to at least start thinking about it. I want uh, Ellie drive or uh, no LV driving a fancier car than they're driving, showing up to the ballpark every day, and I want them to at least think about uh, <laughs> becoming multi 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 millionaires guaranteed uh, right away and. And going to Boris and saying like, I, look, I know what you what you what you normally do here, but I wouldn't mind getting extended and becoming getting a little bit more front loaded here. But um, I would buy out at least two, maybe three years of Noel V and and a club option on top. As of right now, you're releasing Marte into the free agent market when he's going to be 27, which is like absolute peak. Like we're eating his age 22 and 23 years and going to miss his age 28 and 29 years, which I mean, if you look at normal progression of MLB players, like you want, you'd rather have those later years, right? And um, you can, uh, there's, 
there's a lot of different deals you could look at. You could look at Michael Harris deal. You could look at Corbin Carroll deal. It wouldn't cost uh, cost Corbin Carroll. I mean, his is, I think it, I don't have it in front of me, like 10 years, 111 million or something like that. But I think something along the lines of eight years, 60 million plus incentives, uh, maybe 70 million plus incentives would be a great, great deal. I know he's not quite the prospect that Jackson Churio is, and he's definitely not the prospect that Jackson Churio is, but I'm a huge Marte guy. And, um, man, I would love to start getting some of these free agent years locked up because that's going to be really, really, really valuable into the future. 100%. 100%. I'm all on the uh, the extend Marte trade. And I, I would do Ellie and McLean if it was a, an option. But, I mean, just go read any – like Boris calls those contracts snuff contracts. Like you just snuff out all the value, uh, you know, from, from his clients, and that's just – it just really, really is not going to happen. So – Will we have news within 24 hours, yes or no, on one guy coming to your Cincinnati Reds? I'd be more surprised. I mean, I would not. Well, that's not it. This isn't the political answer. Okay, Nick, this is a yes or no. 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 All right. I'm gonna say yes. I think something something happens tomorrow. I mean, look how closely we're on Erod, right? It, it basically, we got we were right there. We were right there. <laughs> For like 38 seconds, we were right there. We were Gordon my way from making it happen. Do the Reds Ugh. get one of Lugo, Stroman, or Waka? No. Yeah, I would just I would say no. I mean, possible, but uh, yeah. I'm going to say yes because I, I want to believe. I would, I would say yes to one of those offensive players, but I don't really feel like that's really going that far out there. But I would say one of these guys end up in Cincinnati. I hope it's not Bader of all those. <laughs> I think Candelario is going to happen. There's a lot of smoke. There is a lot of smoke there. and uh, uh, I can't it, believe there's been no rumors for any outfielders, though. Like nothing. Yeah. Are they just waiting for Otani? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is, does Otani really change the need for Solaire for teams? I don't. I don't know. I really don't. Um, I know, like I heard, like JD Martinez wants to go back to the Dodgers, but it's pretty much just waiting for Otani. So I don't know if there's there's one. I I, I do have what I had one little dumb thought that popped into my head that I want to run by you. Do you think that Nick Crawl in the Reds front office could ever be here? playing such 3d chess that some of the players that they know that the cubs are really interested in the reds maybe try to throw a little bit more interest than they are to try to push the market on some of those guys do you think that's possible uh i don't i don't know if the reds win in that game <laughs> right uh i don't know i Crawl, I'm a crawl guy. I like crawl. I know you love crawl. Uh, I he's he's hit some big ones. He's hit some really big ones. I'm not positive he is uh, a savant, and I, I'm definitely I I'm quite positive he's not a savant and gonna everything he touches is gonna go to gold. Right. I love the way he plays it. I love the way he spreads his roulette chips, and you know not all these things are gonna hit. He's done a fantastic job, but. I'm not quite sure I'm uh, all the way on the on the on the on the train of you know every movie does uh, turns to gold. I mean, Will Myers was not that long ago, right? So uh, I just I, I want to see him keep hitting on these. I I love the the direction the Reds are going in, but I'm I'm not positive. 
Who who was yeah, the other starting pitcher that that we signed uh, right before the year uh, two years ago? Mike Miner. Mike Miner. Yeah, that, that, that was the good. weirdest I, move ever. He got a, got a chance to really prove himself. Now, I mean, this is the first time since I mean 2020 where the Reds have been signing players Dude. while they're trying to win. I think I think there's something different to signing players when you're trying to win versus trying to sign filler players that are just literally coming here to to uh, uh, get deals done. So let's, let's go back. I'm wondering this myself, right, as somebody that absolutely hated everything that happened with the Winker, Suarez, at all everything that happened with that teardown, hated it, right? And I think there's a lot of scar tissue there from all Reds fans of just the Reds being cheap. Do we view that any differently now? as the Reds are sitting here in a really freaking good position as was that more of a genius move than we realized at the time, if we knew that it, it, the turnaround was going to be this quick, would we have been upset about how all that went down? And in hindsight, are we upset about it? I think would people have probably flipped the petty gray trade to have had a chance at the, at the, you know, winning division this year, I, I would do that. But as a whole, aren't we like, pretty thrilled with how things have gone and how clean the slate got to be able to to just add guys like they're able to add this offseason I'm, I'm i'm trying to decide that right because i'm still upset but i'm still i might be kind of like ugh, they might they might have nailed this one i think there was a lot of drastic overreaction to that trade where people didn't even remotely think logically to the pieces that were coming back to the reds especially once you found out that connor phillips was the player to be named later because that completely changed the yeah. entire trade. Um, I do think the Reds also did get a little lucky, though. Like, there's, I think it's a combination yeah. of both, where people drastically overreacted to the trade. It was a fine trade at the time. Um, the Reds got a little lucky to really kind of push even farther with Winker just completely falling off of a cliff. Now, I do, I look, I do think the Reds saw some of that, not obviously going from an All Star to a guy that is even going to get a major league deal this year. I mean, that, that's like how far he's fallen. But I do think that the Reds said, hey, this guy's not sustainable. He's not a guy we want to sign a contract to. And so I do think they kind of um, um, have a little bit of both. Yeah. And I, again, I come back to like how much you're afforded with every almost every key player like on the same timeline, how much you're afforded this rare offseason of just like you can plug these holes for short term and not change your long term vision really at all. And I don't know, man. It's it's exciting, and I, 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 I get the general sense that for most Reds fans that they don't have the trust that the Reds are going to spend. And I, I'm just like, dude, you don't own a sports franchise and not uh, go for this opportunity. Like, right, dollars. It has to make some kind of sense. Dollars and cents for a small market team, and always will. But like, there are better ways to make money than just owning, you know, a sports franchise. And part of a huge part of the thrill when you're a billionaire is to try to win with these things. And I. Just the fact that they've been in what they've done so far and what they've been involved in, I'm optimistic that we're going to be pretty happy with this team going into next year. All right. Give me one second here. Going to pull another one of these up. No. What is it? No, this one's going to bring, bring a smile to your face. Candelario is engaged in ongoing discussions with the Reds. Cincinnati has emerged as the leader to sign the free agent infielder. If Candelario. <laughs> The last part. If Kittle, they likely traded infielder before opening day. Who could that be? 
Oh, what are we doing, man? Does he really need to add that last little part in there, John? What an asshole. Listen, I mean, uh, can, we, can we also admit here really quickly that Jonathan, he, he, he probably enjoys the holidays too. Come on, we can leave out the last line there. I mean, we all know what's going on here. And people in the chat are asking about is is Jonathan India the white elephant if if Candelario comes over? Well, yeah. I mean, why do we always just assume whatever Nick Crawl says is as accurate when he's already said what he said beforehand? Like the idea that people are thinking that Jonathan India is off the trading blocks now. And I listened to the podcast yesterday, Nick. Come on, man. You go. We got to be better. Just because Nick Crawl comes out and he's like, "No, we, we we're going to keep Jonathan India." Like, okay, all right, nice. That I I believe you. I believe you. I, there's, there's no chance that Jonathan India is on this baseball team if they have it the way in which they want. They want to act like they value him significantly in case the things that they would like to happen don't happen. That's it. Well, I do appreciate you listening, Trace. That means a lot to me. Um, I, it, I, it, it's the, not the India situation is easy. Uh, it really, it is it. Again, I, I agree with Morosi's tweet. Like, if they get Candelario, India becomes expendable, like pretty darn quickly, right? But I, I was so pumped when India came back last year in the second half of that in the in that in that stretch run. It was like we're, we're one. If India gets traded out with no other depth added, we're one injury away. That will happen. It, it's going to happen at some point. Somebody's going to have a DL stent from wanting somebody like India India to step in and. Dude, when you're under contract and you're getting paid, I, I don't care that much whether or not you're okay with a bench spot and a DH spot and starting maybe two games a week at in, in the field. You just do it, right? And there, that depth is a very good problem to have. I don't think his trade value is worth what he would still be worth to the Reds. And I, I, I tend to believe Crawl. I'm like, dude, we don't, we are not going to ship you out for a bag of balls. You're three controllable years with a decent bat. He doesn't really have a home defensively. He, I, I was a friend of mine that works in the works in the industry was kind of tipping me off to like the Reds may have been positioning India wrong. Like if you look at his uh, stat cast, he's real. Uh, I might have it backwards, but he's really good moving to one of his other sides and they're positioning him too far to to which side I forget without looking at it. But on balls hit to his left or right, he's an average defender, but going the other way, he's like negative nine runs, whatever it is. But uh, that's just like there. there's the Reds. They would be selling low on him at this point, and I still think he can be a valuable piece. And we also don't know like how much of his lack of offensive production last year was due to him being injured and playing injured. Like We just don't know that. Again, that's where I go to the scouts to say he can still hit the baseball, and I would not ship him out for next to nothing. It just has to make sense. Even with Candelario, I'm not like you don't have to trade India. You do not. The, the thing that changed my thinking was that Specifically, it was mentioned, this was by Mark Sheldon. This is the Reds reporter who the Reds get what they want out through Mark Sheldon. It, it, they, they said for the first time, look at playing first base. They've never even entertained the idea, at least publicly, of playing him anywhere other than second base. So that's why I went to thinking, I, maybe they actually are going to keep him now. Um, but that was my, it was not that they said, we're going to keep him. I, I think that's all fluff. It was that, there was a concrete, actual statement of moving positions, and it felt like they had kind of come, at least they felt like they've maybe not exhausted the market, but they've gotten so far down to where, all right, we're probably going to have to keep this guy. And I don't want to say going to have to keep this guy as a negative thing, because I'm with you, Solly. You don't give this guy in a way I've said that. 
But I think they, they went far enough down this road to where we got to have another plan for India for this year because we think we're probably going to end up keeping him. That's kind of how I viewed the comments, Trace. Yeah, I, I, we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, it's speculative. We can sit here and debate back and forth on, you know, we believe him or we don't. I don't. I don't believe. I don't believe for a single second that they don't have a plan to uh, to to move him. There's, it. It's just they're gonna get something for him because inevitably, like you guys said, he has some value. It's just that the puzzle piece in which he fits into the rest or the, the, into this organization right now, it's not a very good piece that fits to what we're what we're trying to ultimately do. And I get that there's a this depth perspective that if somebody gets hurt, then he can fill a role. Um, but ultimately, you know. If we have it the way in which we would like, I, I, I don't. I just don't see where it is. I just don't. I. So we'll see. And I'm not rooting against Jonathan India by any means. I'm certainly not Evan. I think it where I'm at though is Kevin Newman got 253 uh, plate appearances. I, I know it's going to get you excited there, uh, Trace. Nixon Zell got 330 uh, plate appearances last year. Um, Will Myers had 141. Um, Again, I'm just kind of pulling up some some at bats that are not going to be back and getting at bats this coming year. Right? It's a fair amount of at bats to fill, and like it doesn't fit in cleanly, but it always it's sitting there. Like when you're making the opening day roster, you can look it can look really fat. It really can. But over the course of how often dudes the Reds like to rest guys, uh, and over the course of a 162 game season, I I still think there's a ton of value in having a guy like India that can even if he's starting 40 50 percent of the time. Uh, that may not sound like a lot, but that's a lot of plate appearances, and you can do a lot worse than having his bat in the lineup for for those at bats. I love yeah, that, and I, and I also want to say I, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm all for that. The only thing that I will say is, uh, Solly, for a man that will sit there and watch John, uh, Tyler Stevenson this year and want to pull out some of that luxurious hair that you have, uh, I have a very strong feeling that if Jonathan India gets stuck out there at first base. There will be uh, there will be some more hair that gets pulled out because ultimately at the end of the day they're going to have to throw him balls that go into the dirt and and ultimately he's going to have to catch them and I don't know if you've watched that a whole lot Not I great. think that you probably have but you might you might just you might have a few less hairs we'll see i hope i'm wrong i hate rooting against and not even rooting against our guys i hate saying bad thing about our own guys because ultimately i would love for them to succeed i just don't see it well, we'll see. And, and I think my view on this all changed so much with the DH, right? I mean, I, I think the NL needed guys that fit into boxes a lot cleaner before the DH became full-time, right? And now there's just so much versatility with that. And um, I, I think I think Spencer Steer is an American leaguer with, until the, you know, the DH came to the NL and maybe even Jonathan India as well. I don't know if he's a good enough bat to carry a full-time DH spot, but again, he just gets... Uh, I don't know. There's, there's. I would feel very differently if they could not DH him. I feel the same way about Candelario. I don't know if there'd be enough at bats to justify getting Candelario if there wasn't a DH. I feel the same way about half the guys on the roster. Steer. So that's where, like, I still think there might be a big play for the Reds that involves one of Benson or Fraley too, because that's where I keep coming back to. Like, I don't know. Uh, if having both the, like they, that's a surplus. That's a, a spot where, again, I like to have the depth, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was included in a deal. And I, it'd probably be Fraley before it'd be Benson in my book, but um, they still need to improve somehow on defense. I'm hoping, I, I don't know if Marte at third, Elliott short, McLean at second is the best combination of those three. 
I don't know the answer to that. I, to my eye, it felt like McLean at short and Elliott third was better. Then uh, I think McLean was better at short than he is at second. I mean, that could be a small sample size, but he had some pretty bad errors at second base. And Ellie seemed to pick it better with the shorter timing uh, on balls at third base than he did at shortstop. I have no idea if Marte can play second base. I don't think they've done much of any of that in the in the minor leagues, and there's got to be a reason why they don't want to do that. But I don't know. I'm still just very worried about the Reds' defense. I think they were 28th in defense last year. Something by I forget which metric I I used to look that up, but. Uh, Man, those 2010, I think 2012, even better. Those teams could pick it, man. Those teams could play defense. They won a lot of games, and I'm still just worried about the Reds. Uh, between between still needing another starter, having a catcher that can't frame, and a defense that can't pick it, they're going to give up a lot of runs. I, I do think they will make up some of that, Sully, because I think they know better how they can use steer. I think early in the year, they didn't really yeah. care how – they didn't really care about Steers' defense because it was very much a we're figuring out can this guy be a big leaguer? But I think he, he played played like the first uh, 15, 14, the first 15 games at third base where he was really, really bad Good and bad. then played a lot at first base. I think you know he's better in the outfield or DH and, and you use him at those other spots only uh, break, break glass scenario. Senzel was also really bad defensively in center field. So that that's out of there. Newman and Barrero played a lot earlier in the year. Kind of, I mean, I, I think that the ceiling is obviously a lot higher with, with uh, you know, Ellie, McLean, and, and Marte than those guys. So I do think defense does need to improve, but I do think just they do also have a natural, I think they should get better um, just addition by whatever yeah. uh, versus last year. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. I haven't looked it up. I always I always do two stat lookups. You look up the whole season, then you look up from like May twenty second onward when that team kind of became real. And uh, it, there weren't a lot of changes from that from that point on. And I, you know, if I looked up defensive WAR from that point, it would probably look a little bit different. I'm guessing they they don't let you. I don't I don't know of a site that lets you break it down by months. But I do know as someone who like tracked that throughout the year, the Reds were, were like really bad in April and May, and then but they're like number. Of, of defensive run saves or outs by average didn't really end up falling all that far. It was kind of like stayed, you know, almost like a zero, but they were already so far bad that they were towards the bottom. So I, I do think they were a lot better from June on, but there's no way to look that up. And I bet there's someone has the data to that. I got bad news from May 22nd through the end of the year uh, on fan graphs, the defensive uh, defensive uh, fielding and position adjustment. Uh, Reds were 30th out of 30 from uh, from May 2nd, May they 22nd. Let you, they, they let you, they let you uh, do that now. They you didn't used to let that, you split yeah. that up by dates. They used to not do dates. So That's, maybe my theories poop. It's tough. So all right, gentlemen, um, we have almost made it two hours and we're not going to try to get there. I don't believe so. Um, Listen, we all love the Cincinnati Reds. There's a million different ways you can slice this pie on how they can get better. Uh, that's the beautiful part of being a fan. It's the beautiful part about baseball, quite frankly, is uh, there's not too many other sports in the world where you could debate on uh, on roster moves at this length for this long, and the Reds obviously have decision, some decisions to make. Uh, ultimately, I think me and Sully are in the mindset that in 24 hours we will get some news uh, about the Cincinnati Reds. Obviously, that's huge speculation. And then uh, Nick Kirby is not because he's just not in the Christmas spirit quite yet. We'll get him there. We'll work on that. Um, but nonetheless, 
Uh, unless you guys have anything less to add, left to add, my camera died a long time ago. People are starting to wonder what's wrong with me. I've got nothing wrong with me. I feel great. I'm looking forward to uh, to bigger and better things for the Reds franchise. And uh, as everyone said, and Randy, thank you as a reminder, like the stream if you don't mind. As always, every little bit helps trying to grow, trying to make it out here in this world that is uh, that is digital media. So thank you to Solly. Uh, you're a busy man, and uh, you ultimately, at the end of the day, have uh, uh, a big job over there at uh, No Laying Up. And good luck the rest of the season with the golf. It's a lot to situate, a lot to sort through. Uh, there's probably uh, probably a three-hour show that you could do on just all the different things that are going on. But um, but I this guess is more fun. This is way more fun. I I've checked my Reds Twitter account now way more than I checked my uh, my golf one because it's just <laughs> way more fun when I open it up. So you know, let's go. Well, you keep enjoying the Reds. We'll keep having you back. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for, as always, uh, to the folks that support us at Chatterbox Reds. We'll have continued coverage uh, in regards to what happens. We'll try to go live, as always, as soon as something does happen. So if news breaks, we will try to be uh, on the Internet as quick as possible. Uh, but from the three of us to you, enjoy the rest of uh, the holiday season. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon because ultimately... At the end of the day, the Cincinnati Reds will make us all proud. I believe in that before 2024 uh, gets here. And if they don't, then I assume 2024 will have some good news. We'll figure it out at some point. Thank you, everybody. Love you. Go Reds. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We can't tell you enough how much we appreciate your support. If you had not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Do it right now. During spring training and the regular season, we are the only Reds podcast to have new episodes after every single game. And we will have plenty of off-season coverage between now and then, so be sure to stay tuned. Also, make sure that you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube so that you can join us for live episodes of Chatterbox Reds. Hit the bell and turn on notifications so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about all of the other great content at Chatterbox Sports. First off, there's our flagship show, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday on YouTube, of course, on Chatterbox Sports. Off the Bench is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Great podcast listen uh, for your drive home, as it's usually posted uh, by one or two in the afternoon every day. Then there's Chatterbox Bengals. They go live after every single Bengals game. Similar fashion to what we do at Chatterbox Reds. Those guys are doing a great job covering the Bengals this season. Speaking of the Bengals, there is Chatterbox Clicker with Coach Kyle Kasky, former Bengals coach. That is every Tuesday night. Coach Kasky breaks down film from the latest Bengals game and a very innovative show on Chatterbox Sports that you do not want to miss. And if that's not enough to fill your NFL fix, there's Mac and JT. That is Wednesday nights on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Uh, that is all things NFL. They go through each and every game. And then our newest show, Chatterbox Bearcats. That is with host Charlie Walter, formerly of Reds Live. Covers all things UC Sports they are going live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. So that's, on, of course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. 
Chatterbox Bearcats is also available everywhere you get podcasts. Links to all those shows are in the episode notes today, so be sure to check them out. Give those guys the support that they deserve. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope that you have a fantastic day, and as always, go Reds.